Hello, everybody, and welcome to a new episode of the MinMax Show podcast, place about games, friends, getting better. My name is Ben Hansen. Thank you for having me here in this podcast. It's very lovely to be back, but thank God I'm not alone. I'm joined by one Haley McLean. Oh, welcome back, Ben. Thank you. Thank you. Do you prefer community manager Haley McLean as more of an intro, or do you think that your title diminishes your humanity? I think it it, it, it betters my humanity. Oh. Always include it. Wow, getting better as a humanity. Uh, Jacob Keller, welcome to the show. You come crawling back to us, Ben Hansen. Please. After two months of raising a child, <laughs> you decided you've had enough. Yeah, we decided, I should have mentioned this, we raised him in the Bahamas uh, at a spa for two months. It was just lovely. Nice. Uh, Kyle Hilliard. Yeah, that's, that's a good way to go about it. That's smart. Yeah, yeah. thanks, man. Thanks. Uh, yeah, it's, uh, I feel like in the Monday meeting, we hit the ground running. Uh, and didn't really unpack too much, but that's kind of what party chat was for. Haley was on that. It's our bonus podcast if you're a Patreon supporter. So we had that. We just followed your lead, dude. <laughs> yeah, I guess yeah you right. started and you were like, okay, does anyone have anything you want to talk about? And I was like, I guess we're not talking about uh, his, <laughs> his experiences. Yeah. It, uh, my life changed uh, for the past two months, but, uh, you know, we should really talk about some Final Fantasy 16. <laughs> I feel like everybody has like a ticking clock on those Monday meetings, so I don't want to like... Uh, furthermore, thoughts on being a father, but that's what Party Chat is for, if you want a full unpacking of that whole experience uh, and, you know, my perspective on the MinMax content and all that stuff while I was out. It's a and, riveting tale. Oh, thanks, Haley. Uh, yeah. Oh, are there like full reviews in there? Like, should I go listen to get like feedback on my stint? Like, is there... <laughs> stint. Uh, uh, you can if you really want to. I think it was nothing but uh, compliments. But yeah, uh, obviously... Uh, Okay. Uh, huge thanks to everybody who uh, stepped up and filled in in a bunch of different aspects. While I was out, Jenna Steber, obviously, huge thanks to her. Uh, Kelsey Lewin hosted an episode of this podcast and hosted Party Chat, jumped on Party Chat here and there. Uh, you know, Kyle Hilliard, thank you. Kyle Bossman, uh, thank you. Leo, Dana, Jeff, um, uh, everybody uh, stepped up uh, in their own way. And so it's nice. And thanks, everybody, uh, for listening and watching and all this fun stuff. You know, it's a nice reminder that, like, I don't know what we would have done if we didn't have the level of Patreon support that we have. Like, if we weren't able to, like, pay people to step up in this way, realistically, it probably just would have been like, I, uh, sorry, family, I, I'll still podcast. I'll just kind of cool it for a couple months uh, <laughs> as the baby is getting adjusted to the world. So a uh, huge thanks to everybody who supports us on Patreon for allowing me to go on paternity leave uh, for two months. But it was uh, surreal and and fun. Uh, by the way, it, you know, we talk about it in party chat, but everybody's happy, healthy, uh, delightful. Kyle, why didn't you tell me that having a kid was like fun more than anything? And he's not even doing anything so far, but he's just fun. Well, I, it's been a long time for me. It's been more than a decade since that stage of child rearing for me. So, and you kind of don't remember it because you're freaking exhausted and you just moved across the country and started a new job right at the same time. That's everyone this does it that way, right? Yeah. <laughs> I think you did it possibly in the worst uh, conceivable yeah, way. But so. if you had to have like a roller coaster of the fun meter for your child's existence so far, can you give right. that? Take us on that, Ryan. Well, I mean, I, I like. The most fun for me, I don't know how much you want to get into this, is when, is when they start talking and having opinions. Oh, yeah. Yeah. That's the best. Uh, right now, they're just kind of boring. <laughs> Laying on their back. Right? Yeah. Mostly. Looking yeah. real cute. Right. Right. Boring. <laughs> and like, he's just barely starting to smile. It's a lot of like, I think that's a smile. Does that count? I, oh, I that think first so. laughs real good. Yeah. Oh, wait, I can't good. wait for that. Yeah. 
Uh, but yeah, already already delighted, and I That's I'm great, also man. with you because I'm happy for you guys. Thank you, thank you. Before the kid came, I was very much like I just I wanted to start talking right away. That's the fun part. But it's like it turns out just looking at a baby making silly faces all day every day that's fun enough man like and i know it's only going to get better and more stressful from here on out but again party chat for all the baby stuff we want to get down to our number one baby video games am i right group (laughs) uh no but uh, again huge thanks to everybody uh like kyle for not only hosting the podcast for a month but hosting uh the finale for the deepest dive on zelda everybody in that discussion which i guess is this kind of panel here um, and Jenna oh, yeah. Deeper jumping in as well. But uh, you all did a great job. Uh, listening to it, I was like, I think they did better than I certainly could have done. I don't know how everybody else was feeling. For Wait, like... did you finish Zelda? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. Oh, okay. See, I thought I was going to get away with something and that you wouldn't be listening to that for a long time. Like, that oh, would be no. the one thing you wouldn't go listen to. <laughs> no, it took me a while to get to the Barbie Mech spoilers. That was in my podcast queue forever ah, in the bonus right. podcast feed. But uh, I eventually saw that movie, loved it, and then was like, that discussion was so good. And it was just another reminder of, like, God, Janet Sieber. Like, what, it's a great time to have her involved in Min Max for, like, the Barbie discussion she knocked out of the park in addition to everybody else. But then also, like, you know, having her on Baldur's Gate 3. It's like, oh, perfect. What a great perspective from, like, the tabletop scene to, to really unpack that. Um, and, yeah, absolutely everybody is super great. Uh, you know, Leo with New Show Plus. It's like, oh, it's the fun part of being gone for a couple months is just like seeing like what stuff's better without you. And there were definitely episodes of New Show Plus where it's like, I would have sandbagged the hell out of that episode. And like Leo's just <laughs> elevating it. So a shout out to everybody. And also like I was I was so uh, pleased by the Summer Games Fest travelogue. It's been a while since I've been gone. Uh, do you remember Summer Games Fest? Um, so the Gummer's Summer Games I've heard Fest. Of Summer Game Fest. Singular uh, game. Whatever. I don't know what this game's plural fest is you're talking about. Hey, man, I'm sleep deprived. <laughs> uh, no, but uh, so they posted the big hour long travelogue showing off that entire trip with Janet. And uh, Anna was in there for a fair bit. And then Leo and Sarah. And then there's the extended version if you're a $10 supporter on Patreon, which is 10 hours long. <laughs> and so, like, I didn't watch all of it, but I jumped right to a bit that they teased on the podcast where it's Sarah and Leo having what was it, like martinis, drinking some drink at the hotel late at night and just like unpacking their thoughts on Summer Game Fest. I, I'm hyperbolic and I love this stuff, but genuinely like some of my favorite MinMax content ever is like those right. two just after a week of Summer Game Fest just with some cool drinks and just having a very honest, real talk about the game industry. And they had the fascinating perspective of just like they were on the giant bomb couch and the pitch from Jeff Grubb very naturally was like, hey, the up and comers of the game industry, look at this new class coming in. All the babies are here. And then in that discussion, they really unpack it like uh, we're 30. And if <laughs> if we're as young as the game <laughs> industry goes, like there has been a schism somewhere and we're not bringing in new talent for a variety of reasons. And there's just a really fascinating discussion about that. So if you're a backstage pass supporter, you can check out that uh, full version. But uh pfft. Let's pick up where we left off. Uh, let's talk about that Nintendo Direct from June. Uh, Star Ocean, the second story, are coming November 2nd. Star Ocean fans, rejoice! Uh, I was very excited to see that. Uh, just delighted in everyone. Oh, you should have been on that because the chat was like, why aren't any of them excited about Star Ocean? Don't they know? <laughs> yeah, sorry, those are my alts. I apologize. Do you know how good <laughs> Star Ocean 2 is, dude? I'm genuinely, I'm so excited about that remake. Having like an HD 2D version of that game sounds delightful. But uh, there's a lot of table setting we need to do for this episode. We're going to be talking about Gamescom, Opening Night Live, big announcements there. 
Oh my God, we have a lot to talk about in this episode. We're going to be talking about the PlayStation Portal, formerly Project Q. We can touch on that a little bit, that freaky handheld. Uh, kind of handheld, we'll talk about it. Immortals of Avium, we've been playing. We're going to talk a little bit about the Metal Gear Solid Master Collection, Volume 1, believe it or not. Uh, we're going to talk about Red Dead on Switch. We're going to talk about Texas Chainsaw Massacre. We're going to talk about Stray Gods, the video game musical. Obviously, we have community questions in the back half of the show. Uh, but if you're listening to this and you're saying, what is wrong with these freaks. Why are they talking about games? Why aren't they talking about Starfield? First of all, a lot of us have been playing it. We'll be talking about it next week on the podcast. Uh, but if you're also listening to this and you're saying, what's wrong with everybody? Why aren't they talking about Armored Core 6? Um, because we're going to be talking about it more than you could possibly imagine with the deepest dive. We are taking the deepest dive on Armored Core 6 and Jacob Geller is hosting the gosh darn thing. He's making sounds that Discord's cutting out. Uh, yeah, so he's going to be joined by Serial Vasquez, who loves him a mech. Uh, and then also, I'm very excited about this, uh, from formerly Vice's Waypoint and Remap Radio, Renata Price is going to be joining. Uh, which I and Renata is such a freaking Gundam head. Yeah. Like, you know, it's like, I, I've seen Evangelion, and like, I like mechs as a concept, but I'm like, I am really a poser, and so I am so excited to have both Serial and Renata on, who I think are, are like, deeped in like mech history knowledge yeah my, and, my favorite, and renata's played the other armored course also oh, my favorite gundam fandom bit from serial that maybe will come up on the armored core podcast so you could share a better version of the story is that he uh thought lightsabers were a gundam thing he didn't realize it was a star wars thing. It's like that's how <laughs> big a gundam fan he was like what yeah like he finally saw star wars late in life and was like oh yeah those are those laser swords like gundam has <laughs> Oh, weird. Uh, but yeah, we're going to be taking the deepest dive on that. So if you're from software fan, you're like, I want to check out Armored Core 6, but I don't know. It's intimidating to go into the series. I've never really played it before. I just kind of like the Soulsborne stuff. Uh, this is the place for you. So if you support MinMax on Patreon, you get access to the Discord where there's a whole channel dedicated to a lot of people just like you who want to unpack this game. Also, you can submit comments uh, for them to read during their three-part discussions for the game club. Um, and then also you can unlock the podcast version of The Deepest Dive and help support it directly instead of just watching it on YouTube. But, Jacob Geller, we should touch on it a little bit. Um, yeah, I was going to say, can I sell them if they're like, I don't know, I, I'm scared of, you know, I like Elden Ring or maybe I'm scared of From Games, why they should uh, join The Deepest Dive? Yeah, man, sell away. So uh, I've played through Chapter 1, which is where we're stopping for uh, The Deepest Dive Part 1. Remarkably accessible i think i i had heard that armored core was uh big intimidating scary you know kind of like even even me who has played all the souls games and i know what like the different stats do there the idea of going in and having all of these different parts and having to manage different meters and whatever was was super intimidating this game is it has discrete missions that you can replay that take five minutes you know like what? they're they're five pretty minutes. short some of them are longer but it's like they're they're very bite-sized missions the missions have checkpoints within them that when you die you restart with like all of your healing items back from that checkpoint it has like a whole training mission regiment where it's just like here's how you do this specific thing here's like what this meter means in a way that the souls games really like don't have and certainly don't walk you through in as clear of a way yeah and so i've heard that the game uh gets very hard later on but like this 
this chapter feels totally like a you you don't need to understand how like from games work right in order to play this you can kind of jump in it is incredibly fast and it looks super exciting in motion and whatever but like it's not it's not it's not something where you would have like was it armored core or was it like uh something else that had the enormous uh xbox controller yeah, that's a, a steel battalion. Thank you. Steel Kyle. battalion. This is not steel battalion. It controls really well on like an Xbox controller and I'm having a great time. Nice. I mean, the, the big thing, and I feel like through every preview wave, people have been like, yes, no, yes, no, 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 no. Yes. Um, does it feel Soulsy at all? I mean, there's a lot of people obviously who just love the Souls games and Elden Ring. And are they going to jump into this and be like, what the hell? This is the same developer. I, I do not think if if from was not attached i don't think anyone would okay. uh, say that it had souls elements even even in our world where we compare everything to dark souls it's like <laughs> you know you have you have three healing items and when you reach a checkpoint sometimes you get those healing items back but like it, it's not you know it is super mission based the maps are big but it's very linear uh, it's very like you're not leveling up in uh, the same way at all. It's like it's not it's not Soulsy. I don't think it has Elden Ring DNA, except that it's a really cool world and the visual design is super interesting. Uh, and I can't wait to play more, which is how I felt about Elden Ring. Ooh, nice. Okay, so liking it more than you thought, or where are you at just overall right now? I I thought there would be a bigger hump to get over. Yeah. I thought that, like, once I was in Chapter 3, I would be loving it, but Chapter 1, I would be still kind of wrestling with the game, Um, and I don't feel like that. Like, I picked it up and pretty immediately was like, this is good, I'm in. Sweet, sweet. Uh, So yeah, you can jump in over on Patreon, submit a comment, unlock the podcast version. Uh, We're going to be collecting your comments over the weekend for uh, Chapter 1. Chapter 1 or Act 1? What do they call it? Chapter one. Chapter one. There's a, there's a mission that says, like, concludes chapter, and that's the last one you play. Perfect. But even if you don't get to that point, because I understand it's a tight turnaround for just the opening weekend here for the game. So even if you don't get to that point, just share your first impressions, and then they'll uh, read them out loud during that discussion. So thanks, everybody, for supporting the deepest dive there. Uh, Gamescom, Kyle, we're here, baby. That's, well, we're not in Germany. Is no. that your implication? What we're here in the season, uh, we're no, feeling the okay. reason for the season of Gamescom 2023. Is it in Germany? I feel like no one ever mentioned that the entire thing. Bail the premiere. They just kept <laughs> focusing on it. But it's it's cool. It's exciting that it's in Cologne. It, it feels like such an odd place for it, for such a huge gaming convention. Um, yeah, we did a full reaction stream. It's on Mimex's YouTube channel. If you want to check that out. And it was kind of fun to see the comments that were... Like, oh, this is so surreal because it's like it was Jacob Geller and I reacting to Gamescom's opening night live. But the pre-show was hosted by Kyle Bossman, who just has been hosting the MinMax show for four weeks. So it's like it was bizarre. People said to like have us all in a YouTube video, but not talking to each other. It's just Kyle is now <laughs> doing his own distant thing, making jokes, and we just get to laugh at him from a distance. Which You know th- how he had a lot of cutbacks where he would just be nodding? We just need to take those and edit it into the podcast, and he can just not be talking smart. the whole thing, but he's a guest. Very smart. There you go. Uh, yeah, by the way, I, I guess I, I skipped over him too much when giving my uh, full round of thanks, everybody, but... I. We talked about it again on Party Chat, but I was just so delighted going out on a limb being like, Kyle, will you host a video game podcast again? And the fact that he was up for it, uh, I was just tickled pink by. Uh, but at the same time, I was listening to it, and it's like, he didn't really introduce who he was, so I imagine there's a lot of listeners out there who are like, who is this guy? Uh, so he uh, used to uh, be the host of the Easy Allies podcast, 
And then he stopped doing that in like 2020. So it had been a long time since he'd hosted a gaming podcast. And he does a lot of stuff with Keeley. I forget the exact title over there. But yeah, for this, he he hosted the uh, Gamescom opening night live pre-show. Where it was just half an hour of him on his couch uh, telling jokes and introducing trailers and all that stuff. But uh, I'm such a fan of his hosting style and him being more of a moderator than a host. And like he does such a good job of like elevating everybody else and constantly just trying to dig into their excellence and what's interesting about what they're saying and stuff. So I really as, uh, appreciate as that. As someone who never listened to Easy Allies, I was like, hey, this guy's really charismatic. <laughs> like, just like <laughs> listening. I was like, oh, I see why people like him. Yeah, fun host. What, what was his host. title near the end of Easy Allies? The Crown Prince of... Dark Prince of Nerd Media? The Dark Prince of Nerd yeah. Media. There we yeah, go. That's exactly right. it. Uh, but yeah, what uh, Gamescom, Kyle, from the, the whole stream and all the announcements and stuff? Is there something that popped for you more than anything else? After, in Little Nightmares 3 was really kind of maybe I would even say like far and away the most interesting and exciting thing because it was like the most surprising. Yeah. Mostly everything, everything, not everything, but a lot of the stuff on there was like additional looks at stuff I was already excited about, right? It's like, cool. Yeah, I'll take some more Alan Wake too. Thank you. Um, but I was like already in on this game and I've already seen a lot of it. But Little Nightmares 3, I didn't expect. Uh, it looks cool. It's weird that Supermassive is developing it. Yeah. That's what, that was like a yeah. surprising but kind of kind of interesting thing. I'm, I'm okay with that. I want to see where that goes. And um, yeah, so and I loved the first two uh, yeah. a lot. So but, I'm very excited. And even, even to the point of like um, enjoying the lore and stuff. Like I played the mobile game. I uh, read all the comics. That are available. There aren't like a ton of comics. There's like a hand. There's like three or four comics, and then it also it has weirdly become like a, a father daughter game for me. Like we play Little Nightmares together, which is extra strange because my kid doesn't usually like creepy things. Yeah. But for some reason, Little Nightmares totally fascinates her, and like we read the comics together. We played the mobile game together. Oh. And this one's co-op. Like yeah, you yeah, know yeah. me, I don't. I hate playing games with other people, but I'll play with my kid. People. That's exciting. Okay, all right. This is the way I'll, to find. I'll things. listen to the podcast they announced. We'll listen to that together. We'll pop in a separate ear earbuds. We'll listen together. It'll be Kyle, enjoyable. I, you're allowed. I'm just letting you know. You're allowed to do a one man deepest dive on the Little Nightmares podcast on the <laughs> Maxis channel. Right. I would really like to hear it. Um, yeah. So the weird thing. So yeah, super massive developing it. Uh, who made the Dark Pictures anthology until dawn? All that fun stuff. Um, I. Why did I think that Little Nightmares was all wrapped up? Did the developer Tarsus say they were done in the past? Everybody assumed that it was done? Or what was the wording before? It kind of had like a bookend ending too, a little bit. Yeah. Was the vibe too also. Okay. Like it kind of came full circle and was like, oh, yeah. cool. Like that's a cool ending. So I kind of thought it was done too. Huh. Really bizarre. Uh, but yeah, Little Nightmares 3, uh, 2024 for that thing. That was definitely definitely a, a big surprise packed in there. Um, Did they say if it's Couch Co-op too? Because I feel like they said online co-op very specifically. Oh, I yeah, remember. It seems like it must be. Yeah, I'd imagine. It must or, be. Yeah. It would be a huge missed opportunity if it yeah. wasn't. Uh, Haley, you're mentioning that Crimson Desert is maybe the thing that was popping for you the most from Gamescom? Yeah, what the heck? I like haven't <sighs> really looked into this at all prior, and that trailer looks so fun. It was giving me that, <laughs> obviously, the Tears of the Kingdom is the comparison because floating islands, and oh they did God. the jump thing that yep. everyone laughs about now and whatever but it had that vibe of that really good tears the kingdom trailer we all loved that came out where it was showing like a million different things at once and it was quick yes. but it wasn't like overwhelming it was like cool okay cool okay cool like it was just like rapid fire i would describe stuff. this one as overwhelming uh, <laughs> I, I kept seeing things and i was like this isn't it too 
I think I don't, there's something about when you are not super familiar with the game or they showed it off. Like you want to at least understand the genre and then yeah. wow me with variety. What I feel like with Crimson Desert, they're just showing you everything. It's like okay, it's climbing like Assassin's Creed, and then it is just very clearly an inspiration from uh, yeah Tears of the Kingdom. But then there's other sections where it's like okay, now it's just a full on RPG. It is just a little bit of everything, and the confusing bit, yeah, it's from Pearl Abyss who uh, we've talked about before in the podcast because they're also developing Doke V. It's a South Korean studio. And Doke V, if you remember, and that was that... they have made Black Desert Online. Right. Which is, like, a successful and a game that exists. Where It's like, <laughs> I don't think Doke, Doke V, every time I see it, I'm like, that game doesn't exist. And I kind of feel the same way about this one because it just looks so impossibly ambitious and polished. But, yes. like, Black Desert Online is a real game that people play, so... So therefore, something was coming out. Yeah, and they had like a battle royale style thing. What is that called? I remember checking it out when I was deep diving on. Uh, oh, it's not even on the site, I guess. Uh, but for everything, don't give you just understand who these people are and where this is coming from. But um, yeah, it just bizarre stuff where you're riding a horse off a cliff and then you kind of throw the horse away, like Yoshi, as Jacob referenced during the reaction stream. Yeah. And then you turn into like a black goop monster, and then that's flying around before, yeah, it cuts to like some digital realm world that's also happening here. It's just everything. There's a lot of uh, dragon's dogma. There's like, not only is there climbing on creatures, which looked fun, but there's like really big, weird looking magic spells that also seem to have really involved destruction physics that was another thing where i was like how is this in this game where they showed like castles <laughs> breaking apart in in a way that looked like battlefield and i was like you can't do that in an rpg like this but uh maybe they are who knows yeah maybe they're secretly loaded and this is a dream come true but who knows and like there were so many trailers in this and i feel like it's kind of a Achilles specialty at this point of just he seems to really like that rapid fire through variety of gameplay Maybe we've all just as a group agreed that's ideal trailer, but like I, I, he always talks about how involved he is in like the direction of these specific trailers for his shows. And I am curious because at a certain point, you know, Gamescom opening night live is two and a half hours. And at a certain point it did all kind of blur together where it's just kind of like rapid fire action scenes, constant, constant, constant. But I'm not complaining too much. Uh, Crimson Desert is the name of that mysterious project. Um, it's one of those, keep your eye on it, but don't count on it uh, revolutionizing gaming because we'll see how it actually turns out but maybe i'm naive for being skeptical about this thing uh let's see uh it seemed like alan wake 2 another uh, another huge one from the show um jacob can you describe that trailer no correct uh, there was there was a lot of live action footage um and wow. and what they talked about on stage beforehand is like they are going to be mixing live action footage and graphics like together in the game, not just in, you know, the way that Remedy's always done where it's like you turn on the TV and there's like a weird TV show that they made that's that's live action. But like they have an actor who is a real guy playing Alan Wake and they were showing a lot of that and then they were kind of intercutting where it's hard to tell when it was graphics and when it was real and it just it, it, i i i thought it looked great because it was just like they're just throwing everything at the wall you know stylistically yep. yeah what you said i wrote down during the reaction stream because i said jacob you nailed it here where you said i just want them to make weird decisions <laughs> when it comes to alan wake 2 <laughs> and this like trailer i think more than anything else they've shown is like oh boy they are they are swinging hard because like everything they've shown up to this point is showing 
Saga, who's the second playable character, is like an FBI agent, and it's a little bit more true detective, a little bit more Resident Evil, just kind of slowly going through the Pacific Northwest to uncover what's going on, whereas then the other half of the game that you can jump to is you're playing as Alan Wake, who's trapped, I haven't finished the first game, Kyle, uh, trapped in his own writing. Is that the best way to put what's going on with Alan Wake at this point? Oh, it's it's hard to define. Okay, <laughs> a big sigh. Well, I think it yeah, might be like a DLC. It's not a lake. Ending, it's an right? ocean. I don't know what else you need to hear, Ben. I mean, that explains That's it all to me. Not a lake. It's an ocean. <laughs> and the point is, he's in the dark place, which is yeah. apparently a New York in the seventies inspired twisted world. And I was reading an IGN preview and. It sounds delightful because the way they pitched it is like, okay, the saga stuff, that's going to be a little bit more Resident Evil-y, survival horror-y, um, as we define these terms. And then this section is going to be a little bit more control-inspired, where it's a little more psychedelic, a little more twisted. Even just some of these shots of like just the paper swirling and flying around, it's like, oh, this sounds yeah. awesome. Just a really dark take on control, but more of a survival horror take on control. That sounds awesome. Yeah, they did, because Alan Wake came out, and then they did two DLCs, like two story DLCs, and the second of those was very abstract and weird with, like, uh, Inception-style room rotations and stuff like that, and that was, like, awesome. Like, that was great. So if that's, like, you know, if they're going further in that direction for the Dark Place sections or whatever, that's exciting. Yeah, yeah. Uh, And then they had the weird announcement, too, but smart on them. Uh, They delayed the game by one week. Uh, so now it's coming out, or 10 days. Uh, I think it's 10 days. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it's coming out October 27th, because it wasn't going to come out the 17th, but then Spider-Man and Super Mario Brothers Wonder were coming out October 20th. And it's like, oh, it's so sad that those games are going to eat its lunch or its attention a little bit. But hopefully now uh, we can all get over the wonder of Mario Wonder and we can all get used to Venom and all that stuff. And then this will <laughs> come around October 27th and we'll be ready for just a weird, fresh experience. So I'm super excited for it. Um now, I don't want to promise anything, but it does feel like we got a deepest dive something in October, and I think it's a good one for putting up for a community vote. And I don't want to tip the scale anyway, but this certainly seems like it might be the most interesting game to talk about out of those three. But who knows? Who knows? Uh, let's see other uh, stuff from Gamescom. Um, Call of Duty, maybe uh, the biggest chunk. They showed 10 minutes of the new Call of Duty, which I understand we're all tired of, like, okay... Night vision goggles going through uh, sniping people, get the idea, yada, yada, yada. But this this game's development is so bizarre. So it's Call of Duty Modern Warfare 3. And so they've never, well, I guess since like Call of Duty 2, 3, 4, they've never gone back-to-back sequels in the same sub-franchise. Right, right. Kyle? Is that the best way to frame yeah. that? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, so it's Modern Warfare 2, and this is picking up right after that for Modern Warfare 3, and this is now Sledgehammer Games developing this with Infinity Ward support and uh, helping out with the campaign and all that stuff. Um, Jacob, I know you had uh, negative to um, hyperbolic thoughts on Modern Warfare 2, but... Vitriolic, please. <laughs> Vitriolic. Yeah, did you have any thoughts on Modern Warfare 3 and the, and the gameplay demo they showed for this thing? I mean, I think the the weirdest thing, having not played it, is... Uh, how they're marketing it because it seems like they are um selling it on remember the old game modern warfare 2 you like that one <laughs> right. right because right. like 
<laughs> the mission that they showed was breaking into a castle-esque prison, which is like a very memorable mission from the original Modern Warfare 2. And they said, like, hey, we're going to bring back all these multiplayer maps from Call of Duty Modern Warfare 2. And it's like... Modern Warfare 3 was a game that existed. Uh, and and it's it's weird that this which which started as like DLC for Modern Warfare 2. Right. I, I wonder it's like I don't their naming scheme is so messed up at this point that I have no idea like what they could have called it. But like it is weird. It's it's very strange. And we talked about the fact that at the end of Modern Warfare 2, uh Oilers, I guess they yeah. they teased no Russian in a Marvel esque post credit sequence <laughs> where like you know it, it, instead of Thanos showing up, someone looked at a phone and it said "Remember no Russian," which is of course the mission from Modern Warfare Two where you uh, shoot a bunch of people in an airport, uh, civilians, um, and and it's just like it's so weird that that that. Uh, Modern Warfare 2 is like the game that they are basing this whole thing off of, but it's called Modern Warfare 3. Well, I think you know yeah, what, you, it is. You know what they should have called it. So, Call of Duty 2. Modern Warfare 2 3. Yeah. <laughs> Parentheses, no Russian, part one. Parabellum. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, I mean, it is. I think you answered the mystery in your explanation, right? I mean, the idea of it seems like it's rumored. I don't know if there's solid reporting behind it. I couldn't find it very easily on a quick Google, but let me know in the comments, everybody, that yeah, if this started as like a big add-on DLC pack for Modern Warfare 2 and it was going to be like, here's the Modern Warfare 2 fan service in the DLC, and then Activision's like, actually, this is big enough, let's make it its own thing. So now the fan service for Modern Warfare 2 has become <laughs> Modern Warfare 3, not a remake of 3, but a reboot, sequel to the reboot of 1. It is, it is such a confusing web. Uh, also, uh, lest we forget, uh, zombies are open world now. Yeah. That's yeah, the thing they I, said. What does that mean? That got the biggest reaction from the crowd. And yep. I was like, show that. I feel like that. I, I'm more excited for that than mission. That's dark. And I wear night vision goggles for the millionth time. Like, right. Yeah. The gameplay they showed, it, it wasn't really hitting. Yeah. Their messaging because they also were emphasizing like, hey, this game's going to emphasize open combat missions, as they put it, more than Call of Duty's ever done, where you can play your way kind of. I don't know, kind of an open region approach to Call of Duty, which is like, oh, that's a that's a cool design philosophy. I want to see what that looks like, you know, with them saying, hey, you can take stealth approaches if you want to. But then they also just show a bunch of, a bunch of clips of you can also attach, you know, bombs to an ATV and drive it into an enemy camp and a little bit more of that kind of war zone, blackout, chaotic approach. And so that that sounds interesting. And I then, was kind of thinking, though, that's essentially war zone already because right. you could fight anyone in war zone the way you want like you get a combat mission, I suppose. But then if it's that popular, like, okay, let's try and rope some of these flavors Single for player. people who probably got into the series from Warzone. There's probably a lot of people out there that got back in or got into the franchise period with Warzone, so make the campaign a little more approachable. But it's a fascinating, weird thing. But Modern Warfare 3, uh, November 10th for that whole thing. Um, other fun odds and ends. Mortal Kombat 1, they showed again. Um, they also had a bunch of previews go out um, where people seem to be excited about the story mode and they have a new mode that's called Invasions where it's like a RPG board game where you're running around in third person and leveling up your character and stuff like that. It feels like... Remember, Kyle, do you remember Smash Tour from Smash Brothers mm-hmm. for Wii U? Imagine a really good-looking version of that. Um, seems like that's kind of... The approach well, they're taking. Running around in third person in a fighting game for some kind of weird RPG on the side is like 
so hot right now. Like Tekken Eight's got like a version of right. it too, kind of. You know. Yeah. Well, Street uh, Fighter, it. right? Yeah. yeah, and Street yeah. Fighter. Yeah, the prim- primarily. Yeah. yeah. Uh, I'm cool with it. It's I'm okay. I'm all right with it. <laughs> it's gonna fly. You hear that, Warner Brothers? It's gonna fly. <laughs> um, Kyle, I, will it make me play Mortal Kombat One? Probably not, but I'm okay with it existing. <laughs> it's gonna be fun, man. It's gonna be fun. It doesn't. No, I have uh, no problem with Mortal Kombat. I just just not not a series I've ever gotten into. Do you have a problem with the PlayStation Portal? Not PlayStation Portable, Kyle. PlayStation Portal. I I I do actually in that like I don't really understand why it exists. Um, because people and I love it. handheld gaming uh, yeah. you'd think I would be the target audience yeah I was, I was counting on you to do it so this is what they announced as Project Q before if you don't remember this it looks like a dual sense and then you stretch it out and then slap a little 1080 screen in between it so you can play games streaming from your PS5 uh, there's nothing happening locally on the PlayStation Portal which by the way I think is a good name I think, I think it's a solid approach even though in the official wording, they always call it PlayStation Portal Remote Player. <laughs> That's always a PlayStation blog's approach to it. Um, so yeah, nothing actually playable just on there. It's just a streaming device, which is confusing because like remote play has been around since the PS3, you know? And I feel like everyone's like, oh, I guess I could stream it to my phone and use a DualShock. I just don't really want to. But I guess they're banking on people just being like, $200, here's just a device only designed for streaming jump in the water's fine i mean that is a clean approach right like to just like do you want to play your playstation games portably well here's this thing yeah you don't have to worry about your phone you don't have to worry about connecting bluetooth to your phone you don't have to get a little device to attach your phone to your controller yeah like it is clean in that way but i just yeah the local streaming stuff is just is is rough so um i'm i don't know the answer to this when when it's streaming, like, could I could I take this out of my house yeah. and like remotely turn on my PS5? And so it's like my PS5 would be on in my house, but I could be in a hotel and yep. play it. Yeah, you don't need to be on the same Wi-Fi connection or anything, which okay, is cool. Because I was going to be like, is this a Wii U? Uh, but it, it does sound <laughs> better than that. Yeah, yeah. Um, although there's no Miiverse on here, so what's the point? Um, but yeah, I mean, you, you can do that, but then it would be relying on a hotel's internet connection for streaming the video signal to this, which might be a little dodgy. I mean, people seem impressed by it in previews, but of course it's that case of... Sony could not be tailoring the experience more for making sure the internet connection is as good as possible for streaming onto this thing. Yeah, um, I think whenever a service is tied to internet connection, like we always forget that so many people don't have good internet everywhere. Right. Like, yes. Like, yeah. D- don't you think, hang on, did her internet cut out as she was explaining that not everybody has good did internet? Did my internet cut out as I was <laughs> yes, it It's me, okay? I, it re- it's me. I'm pissed <laughs> because it's me. <laughs> uh, uh, yeah, it's like, could they have... They should have put, like, some little Sony games on there just for, like, if the internet goes down. Like, just put Vib Ribbon. Just put some old PS1 <laughs> game on there that you can play, like, just in case the hotel Wi-Fi Pap- sucks. Papapon or whatever that really Pap-a-pon, good PS yeah, game just was. get yeah. something on there, but sure. And uh, the, uh, the the battery life I read is about the same as the, uh, the DualSense controller, which, in my experience, feels like it's about two and a half hours. Uh, so that's mm. not super encouraging. Wait, I saw that, like, the battery wasn't finalized in the preview that I watched, like, an IGN's preview. But maybe it's, like, they're just saying it might change. But as of now, it's pretty short. Is that the idea? I, I, yeah, I don't oh, know. Boy. I mean, this was, this was just like a list of bullet points that sure. someone was like, here's the information we have. 
Yeah, I, I, I'm curious if, if you're compelled to buy this thing for $200. It's launching later this year, so let us know what you think about this, everybody. I, I will say, despite my pessimism about it, I was I, it, it's less than I thought it would be. Yeah. I, I don't know why. I just thought it was going to be more expensive just because it's like the because it's like a PlayStation first party thing and they can charge a little more. But 200 is actually less than I thought it would be. Yeah. Um, Only it's, four it's Rockstar Red Dead Redemption 1 ports. <laughs> That's too bad. Which smart. you could stream from your PS5, the PS4 version to this thing, I guess. I guess yeah. you could. <laughs> Technically. Uh, Haley, do you want to talk about that thing? <laughs> Is that my segue into it? Uh, you right rammed it down our throats and we are accepting it with glee. <laughs> That's a weird phrase. Haley, uh, you've been playing Red Dead Redemption on Switch? Yes, I have. And you know what? It runs really well on Switch. I'm actually mm. quite impressed by how well it's running because. I think the context of that is like, um, remember when they released that um, San Andreas, Vice City, and um, yeah. Grand Theft Auto 3 thing, and it ran like hot garbage, and it they would they weren't even fixing things like a year later yeah. that were like really basic fixes. So I think people were kind of like, uh-oh, I hope it works, bar on the floor kind of level. But then on top of that, obviously the thing everyone's talking about is the fact that it cost $50 USD, um, like 66 Canadian, um, just to essentially get a port from a 2010 game on two new consoles when that port exists in almost the same quality on xbox for like 25 dollars i think right now it's listed on xbox um but they're shutting down the 360 store soon so that'll be a confusing (laughs) way to shut down that (laughs) avenue for everybody yeah so it was available on um so the port they just released is switch and ps4 but the ps4 one can be backwards compatible onto ps5 and i confirmed that ps5 version is 4k everything's mm. 30 frames this is the easiest way to think about it everything across everything's 30 frames on xbox one and C- and the series it's 4k and then on 360 um and ps3 it's i think 720 still and then pretty much everything else is 1080p except for obviously switch Hand, this is not this is not clear as I <laughs> no you, it, I you got handheld at seven twenty I I, like, I I was surprised looking at like Digital Foundry's review too that they're like oh like on the Switch it looks better than the three sixty version I assumed oh, yeah. I assumed does. it was going to be a worse version even running on Switch than that yeah version like, here they didn't update the models or anything like that like but the lighting does look better I would say there's a lot more clarity like. This is a weird thing, but like Bonnie McFarlane showed up. I was like, oh, I can see her hairs a lot better. Like, it's not just a massive <laughs> blur for her hair. Like, yeah. it's like small things like that. It's not a crazy change. Um, and then it also comes with Undead Nightmare, which is awesome. But because yeah. uh, that DLC is like so good. But it doesn't come with like all the other DLC, which is mainly just online DLC because online is not included. Right, um, right. Online still works on 360 and PS3, by the way. It's only <laughs> those are the only systems. Hang on. Still support I'm gonna write that down. Redhead. I'm gonna write that down for new show plus. Uh, yeah, right. Like, Leo playing that. I would love to see Leo playing. Dude, that. I love that multiplayer. We used to like. We used yeah. to play um, basically a battle royale before battle royales existed, where we would play online and be like, "Okay, everyone, stay near this town." And then we would completely turn off our HUD and then just like slowly sneak around, and it was so tense and so fun. That's awesome. But yeah, no, that still exists. I I. I didn't really know that either because I was because they're what the sad news is too with Red Dead Two is with GTA Six coming out they're kind they kind of said we're not going to support Red Dead Two online anymore right. like the serv- they didn't really say the servers are getting shut down I don't think they will especially if they're still supporting Red Dead One 
on two like insanely old platforms they'll probably keep this too but no more updates for that and that has a really like loyal fan base people really love red dead online i personally have played like 100 hours of red dead online i think it's really fun Um, i know leo was doing his challenges every day for like a year (laughs) he was a real (laughs) sicker but i know this is your favorite game of all time um maybe you're going back to it every every year or something but what did you notice going back to red dead in 2023 well this is the first time i've played it since i beat two actually Ooh, like so cool. i hadn't played it again since but i played it right before two came out and that was the last time so like 2017 2018 mm-hmm. and it's what a vibe like i don't want to spoil two and, and whatever but it really changes the way you view john yeah and the way you view like even bill is like the first of the outlaws you encounter they're talking about dutch they're contextualizing and you get that contextualization at the end of the game a bit more but with two and ahead of it it's like, oh my god, everything hits so different. So it's like, I'm going to finish it and play through. It's a great bed game. Like, I guess that's what you're paying for is the portability totally. in your bed. And Bonnie's hair it looks a bit better. <laughs> is that worth hair. $50? <laughs> I don't think so. Yeah. But, you know, wait till it goes on sale, I would say, if, if you want to get it. Because it's going to go on sale. Like, this is what they do. They bump it up really high, and then in two months, it'll be... F- $25 just like the Xbox 360 version. Yeah. But it does it does look better and it runs really well. That's the good thing. I nice. haven't had zero bugs. Oh, nice. um, everything looks great. The draw distance is really decent and good and the game looks really good. That's, I mean, I guess it's kind of damning for the state of Switch ports, but I just assume maybe it was like the Saints Row 3 port that put me over the edge just for diminishing all hope of like a Switch port running well. <laughs> but it's nice that this thing's like, oh, it actually runs yeah. well. It looks good. Check it's it out. It's like Witcher 3. On the best. I right. played LA Noir on my Switch. It was fine. Whoa. It kind of didn't run that well. And it was huge. That file size was massive. I had to go out and buy an SSD card to play LA Noir. I remember that's like when I bought my card for my Switch <laughs> to upgrade. And maybe I should mention I'm playing on an OLED too. So, oh, like, nice. it probably makes it look a bit better that way. That hair's but, popping. Yeah. Do you um, ever just think about like old PS3 360 games and be like, could this run? You know, could this like, run on a could, Switch? Could could the Switch play uh, Uncharted 2? Mm. You know, because it's like, it seems like, no. Yeah. But also, it's like, that game came out in, like, 2008. Like, it, it can't play that. <laughs> I know. Another uh, thing that's weird about this, too, is they call it a conversion. Rockstar has formally called this a conversion, not a port. And I've, I don't know if any of you have ever heard a game studio ever call nah. a thing that word before. I, I was I trying so. to find... Because I have to know those kind of words for contract drafting. Like, the first thing we do in a publishing agreement is to find what the game is, and then we exclude, like, sequels, prequels, DLC, or spinoffs, blah, 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 all those words. (laughs) There's, like, a million of them, and we list them all so no one can ever come back and say, well, this is a port. And it's like, it's in the contract port. Like, But now if they're starting to use conversion as a word, do I have to include that in the long list of things? Like, oh, I I just don't want new words to get used. They're they're saying that so because port kind of sounds like easier yep totally to make than a conversion Ooh, yeah. but then magic. it's like remaster <laughs> like, versus conversion we What's can't yeah, we there? can't yeah. we can't do it it makes it more confusing which is bad from like what i do i'm like ah, yeah. oh, no like so now i think i have to have conversion let it go you don't need now. it you don't need it let it go uh, okay i'll let it go jacob um, yes take his advice uh lawyer hey <laughs> <laughs> hey lawyers in the world relax a little bit <laughs> yeah, chill out guys come on guys <laughs> uh but thinking about old games running on switch i think about that a lot jacob with uh like future versions of the Metal Gear solid master collection presumably volume two like will we get Metal Gear solid 4 running on a switch i think about <sighs> metal gear solid 4 ports 
uh, once a week. Like, <laughs> it, it, yeah. I, I think about them so often. It's like, you know what would be nice? That game running on anything other than a PlayStation 3. <laughs> right, right. Uh, pull that thing out of the closet just to try and play Metal Gear Solid 4 again. And, you know, there was a story uh, that hit a little while ago about how Ryan Payton, who was an associate producer for Metal Gear Solid 4, how he said that they did have it up and running on 360 uh, back in the day at Kojima Productions, but it was just, it'd be... Really? Yeah, but it would involve That's releasing really on too many discs and stuff. And emulation can now... Uh, that was one of the last ones that uh, that PS3 emulation was really struggling with, yeah. and there is, like, a mostly functional version of it uh, out there as well, but obviously that, you know, that takes a lot of kind of technical know-how and whatever. Yeah, and the fact that it's that challenging for the community to get up and running uh, for bringing Metal Gear Solid forward into the future, it's like... I. I'm skeptical of what it's going to run like if they ever get to it in a Master Collection Volume 2, but let's focus on the here and now, everybody, by talking about the past. Uh, Metal Gear Solid Master Collection Volume 1. This is the bundle that's coming out in... Let me see. Oh, end of October, just like everything else. Uh, But it has Metal Gear Solid 1, Metal Gear Solid 2, Metal Gear Solid 3, Metal Gear, Metal Gear 2, and this is the fun twist, Snake's Revenge which is the sequel to the NES version of Metal Gear 1, which Kojima shunned forever. Uh, but now that Kojima's gone, they're bringing out the freak show. Let's get Snake's Revenge, put it in that bundle. Uh, and then it also has like uh, VR missions, special missions, Metal Gear Solid Integral, uh, a lot of stuff from the PS1 packed in yeah, there. Yeah, it's basically, was it Metal Gear Solid 2 Substance and then Metal Gear Solid 3 Subsistence, right? Those yes. are basically the versions they're going to have on there. Right? Yeah, yeah. Um, here's, here's the twist. Uh, I've played this gosh darn thing. Uh, yeah. Uh, so it's, it's literally the HD collections, Kyle, like the HD okay. collections that Bluepoint made in 2012. Like when you boot up the game, it says copyright 2012. Uh, and it is just hundred oh. percent those versions that they brought over, which is nice. Um, but yeah, I had a, a weird experience where, uh, Konami reached out, which flattering to get an email from Konami. It's like, Hey, look at this. They're talking to us. Uh, but they said, hey, uh, we have a preview event in New York. Does anybody want to come play the Metal Gear Solid Master Collection? And we posted it in Slack. And then nobody responded to it. And then I was out to dinner with my wife and the baby. And I was like, I cannot believe that no one's taken an opportunity to go on a free trip to New York to play Metal Gear Solid. And then my wife's like, why don't you just do it? It's right at the end of your paternity leave. And I was like, you know what? That's a cool way to like cap off two months off is just to go and dive into a quick trip to New York to play Metal Gear Solid. Uh, so I flew it to New York uh, for a Konami preview event where I actually got to play the Master Collection on uh, Nintendo Switch, which I thought was Ooh. really interesting. They only oh. they only had it on Switch. Every station was just the Switch version of this, even I mean, though it's releasing on everything. That's the only one I want to know about, if I'm being fully honest. Like, right. You know? uh, yeah. yeah, I guess that's fair. I, I mean, it was revealed, I think, in a Nintendo Direct, so maybe there's some partnership there that can break away from, but I thought it was an interesting choice. Um, there's there's a lot to unpack that we can unpack with the Master Collection. Overall, super excited to have Metal Gear Solid come back. I, I can't wait to jump back into these games because I didn't even play the HD collections. I was like, eh, I'll get back to it at some point. But it's been a long time since I've played some of these games, and they're some of my favorites of all time. Um, so, a uh, lot of good news, bad news situation. Uh, Kyle, it's cool to have these games on the Switch. Um, bad news. Great, I'm in. Uh, well... <laughs> um, the games aren't really on the cartridge if you're a physical kind of guy. Uh, um, okay. So the cartridge itself has, I think, just like the MSX and NES games. 
and then that's all they could fit on there yeah it's confusing and then you're actually downloading and installing all of the other games and so they're all like oh. separate launchers on your switch and so i asked uh, a konami rep there the uh director of brand marketing for more details on that and he said um yeah for the other systems a lot more content will be directly on the disc so even mm. for like the PlayStation and Xbox version, it's still not everything just bundled on that disc. You will need to download like language packs and then whole games, which seems bizarre. Um, I, I mean, that's that's not that weird though. Ultimately, I mean, I think that's kind of how GTA even recently we were just talking about is that too. Right? Like they're all individually launched games. It's not like you know you have the trilogy and then you open the trilogy and play the game. Sure, like you get GTA three, San Andreas, and Vice City as separate games. You know, gotcha. So it's and and like. I don't know. That's that's not that weird, especially on Switch. Okay. Uh, well, here's this thing. Also, you know, it's uh, running at 720 on the Switch, which people were frustrated by. It'll be running at uh, 1080, 60 on other platforms, but I think it's 72030. They mm. did. Um, there's There's been a lot of conflicting information on this. Yeah. Konami officially said today that all the platforms except for the Switch are 1080, 60, and the Switch docked they said will be 1080 30 and then in handheld excuse me in handheld it will be 720 30 okay so uh but but that whatever footage they like sent out was i think at 720 30 and so everyone was kind of like is this what it's going to be running at well also you know not final I don't think we're getting close to uh, the release date here, um, but they're like, ah, it's not really final. But um, Metal Gear Solid Three in particular, it it wasn't um, choppy with the frame rate, but it would just run really slow. Like I'm talking like third screen in, just running through the grass. You know, you could just test it by like doing like the kick kick punch combo as a snake, and so I'd be running around, and go, ha, 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 and then just running through the grass, I would do a kick kick punch, and be like. Ha! Like everything would just be going in oh. slow motion, which was really bizarre. Like I, I was bracing for them to like give us a heads up on that. Uh, be like, it's not final, it's not final, but they didn't really say anything about it. So maybe be a little wary um, of the Switch version of this thing, but wait for reviews to actually hit for this. Um, but yeah, it's exciting that it's coming back. It's a confusing thing um, because of the messaging of what's in here and what's not. So if you remember... Metal Gear Solid 2 and, gosh, I forget if 3, um, was pulled down from good old games on that storefront um, because of the licenses, and Haley, you might be an expert in this, uh, the licenses for, like, the live action uh, videos that are in those games are saying that they had to pull it down for that reason, but we'll put it back up soon. And so then this is going to be the version that will be available digitally is this. And so I asked him a bunch, like, did you get the rights to the live action? What happened there? And the framing, and it was a little confusing jumping around to a bunch of different spokespeople, but the the phrasing that they were saying is, let's see, at their core, these are nearly identical to the HD collection. They are, quote, fundamentally the same. Um, and so I kept asking, like, is all the live action stuff in there? And they're like, oh, as far as I know, as far as I, I haven't heard from Konami HQ that it's not. So as far as I know, it's in there. So they had a list of stuff that was going to be cut this time around and tweaks. Um, they said, they're like, hey, we got all the gun names. Those are all in there. That was a battle, but we did it. Um, there's stuff like posters. Some posters have changed. Some magazines have changed in there that they didn't get the license to. They also said that, like, there was some stuff that there was a copyright on before that they realized they didn't need the copyright for. 
So they'll so they're removing that, which was a confusing phrasing. But then the interesting one is they said the ghost photos are not going to be in Metal Gear Solid One, which is interesting. Uh, if you remember Metal Gear Solid One, if you took photos of different parts of the environment with the camera, it would show a picture of the development team from Metal Gear Solid One, like Kojima and everybody else. And so I'd imagine legally that's just a mess to go back to that original development team and get the sign off on that. So. Uh, Kojima is in the credits, like they haven't altered any of the credits for the game, but they are stripping him and the development team, their physical pictures out of there uh, for the what ghost about, photos. Um, I imagine they would have said if this isn't in there, but the music in Metal Gear Solid 2 was like a point of contention. Is it, that all good? I mean, yeah, I th- if it's in the HD collection, it's going to be in there. Uh, that seems like a, a huge one that they, they would have pointed out, but that seems to be the big changes here is just uh, ghost photos are going to be out and then a couple of small tweaks here and there, but basically it's the HD collection. But it was so weird to go to this preview event and like my number one question about it is like, I wonder what the credits look like. Like how much are they going to acknowledge Kojima? And so immediately jumped right to the credits here. I noticed like a lot of other people in the press, they did the same thing. It's such a dorky, petty thing it, it seems like. But uh, you go in there and you roll credits and it's just the credits for the master collection. So it shows like that full dev team. And then there's a whole special thanks section. I'm like, well, this is clearly where they're going to shout out Kojima and the rest of the development team. And it, no, no, nothing specific. And at the end, after that, it says like, uh, how is it? Oh, uh, thanks to all original Metal Gear series staff and fans. So, but all the credits are Equal still intact. contributors. That's right. Staff, yeah. fans. So, yeah. I'm in the credits is what you're saying? Yeah, absolutely, alongside the Kojima? But I mean, the original games credits are still in there just for right. this overall package. Uh, that's the way that they're they're making it work See, and that's, stuff. That's weird to me that it seems like, th- it sounds like their agreements were really well drafted and they didn't get like um, personality rights locked away. So like the photos of the employees and stuff. Right. That's not intellectual property. That's like personality rights, like your face on things. Um, okay. So they probably never got their employees to sign away their personality rights. So now they can't do that. Or the actors even too. They probably like just didn't draft those right. And then, but they got all of them to waive their moral right to a credit, which is like another very specific thing you have to do. So it sounds like they messed up some things and did some other things. And th- so they lost some stuff, but still get to not credit them, I guess. The moral right, it's called just to have your name yeah. in the credits. It's the right of attribution, which is like, so there's economic rights and moral rights. Economic is like reproducing it, translating it, making money off of it, commercializing it. And then the moral rights never leave the creator. So no matter what you do, you can never transfer your moral right away. So the right of attribution and the right for like it to be presented in the way you want. But you can waive those moral rights so you can never come back and like attest them. So those people still have the moral right in the game, but they can't come back and say, I don't like the way that you're making that look right now because they pro- they would have waived their moral rights. And so that also waives any ability to like have a credit, unless they have a provision that says you are required to have a credit in this and every future iteration of the game. Yeah. Conversion port, blah, 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 <laughs> like all those words, which they didn't have for him, I suppose. Yeah. Haley McLean, ladies and gentlemen. Haley McLean, come on. That's what I do all day. Love it. I love it. <laughs> Um, so I uh, talking to the director of brand marketing, believe it or not, it was like, you know, they're, they're pretty tight and only talking about volume one. Like, we're also excited about Metal Gear Solid Delta. We'll be talking about more of that in the future, all that stuff. But I asked him like, you know, I asked him about could Twin Snakes ever come to a future volume pack of Metal Gear Solid? Uh, and I asked him like, are there any games that are ruled out? And, you know, it's a little bit of a stock answer, but he's like, eh, I'm not going to rule out any Metal Gear games for future collections if they happen, you know, which is nice that at least right now that's the way they're framing it. Um, and so he was also, is interesting, he was framing it a lot 
from Konami's recent experience of the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles Kawabunga collection, which, if you remember that, just had an unbelievable amount of like behind-the-scenes footage and like original sketches. And it was we talked about it on this podcast a lot, but it was just an incredible package. And so they were framing it a lot from like, oh, it's a little bit like the Kawabunga collection, everything that's in volume one for the master collection here. And it's like, not, not quite. Uh, like in terms of the behind-the-scenes stuff, for Metal Gear Solid, like they said, there's there's nothing in here that you technically haven't seen before. There's like a master book um, that goes through like the history of Metal Gear Solid and stuff, but there's no like never seen before art. They have like a digital soundtrack in there, but it has like 20 tracks across the entire series. It doesn't have like every song in it or anything. It's cool stuff to have in there, but nothing too mind-blowing. They have like the scripts uh, for hmm. the games, which is probably the coolest part if you want to leaf through the Metal Gear Solid scripts and stuff. Um, but it, it's not exactly the deep dive into the archival history of Metal Gear that I'm sure some fans would want. And I, I did ask them about, you know, did you try? Are there still archives? Is Konami keeping a lot of early concept art, stuff like that? And he's like, uh, I don't know anything about that. I haven't heard anything from HQ on that. But, uh, you know, it's it seems like a cool package, but it's just interesting to see Going into this, like the big test is just how much does Konami care about Metal Gear in this day and age? And based on this package, which is kind of just the HD collection thrown in there and a couple of other bonus things, it feels like a medium amount. Uh, so <laughs> Metal Gear fans rejoice. Um, let's see. Also, I played Super Bomberman R2 there, uh, which I had, a, I had a fine time with. There's a new castle mode. Uh, let's not uh, lose our minds about it. Uh, there's a game called Signy which is like a space shoot-em-up, which is kind of cool. Um, somebody who worked at Pixar, Kyle, they went and co-founded mm-hmm. this company and made this uh, space shooter for Konami, and it looks really nice. Um, and then there's a game that I'm genuinely very excited about, and I saw this trailer, and it definitely piqued my interest, and then playing it has me even more excited. It's called Super Crazy Rhythm Castle. Uh, so it is a... Uh, you can play it by yourself, but ideally a co-op experience um, that is a rhythm game. And so you're running through environments uh, in like a co-op kind of dungeon crawler style thing with other people. But then you're going to like a series of challenges and they're all like, you know, oh, harmonics. I remember this. Yeah, it's like harmonic yeah. style rhythm games. But it's just constant variety and it's super fun because like, okay, you people over here, you're playing this rhythm game and then... Uh, we're going to have a bunch of junk just fall on the track and then it's up to some people to like unplug from the rhythm game and run up there and like remove the stuff so you can see the note track again real quick or like, okay, you have guns that uh, will fight plants, uh, like plant killer guns, weed killer stuff and there's going to be plants growing out of the environments and so people have to go and take care of that. So it's just like a really wacky, creative approach to co-op rhythm games that like... There's always the glow of going to a preview event and playing it like on a couch with a bunch of other people in the press. But like all of us were like having a really good time playing this game. I really am excited about it. Um, It's called Super Crazy Rhythm Castle. And the music was surprisingly good. I think it was just a lot of original stuff and it was just all different genres, but it was really well done. And then they also teased that like if you're a fan of Konami, there might be certain tracks in here you'd recognize. So I'm sure we'll get snake eater or some castlevania music in there at some point but uh if you like rhythm games and co-op games and party games uh definitely keep your eye on super crazy rhythm castle there's no release date for this thing yet but i'm very curious about it uh jacob jacob do you want to tell me about immortals of avium yes listener i'm making uh 
spell casting hand motions. Yeah. Because that's what this game is. Well, you don't even need to just do that with your hands. You can do it with your mouth. Because at the start of the game, the main character explains that he shoots magic like this. Pew, pew, pew. But then the other guys shoot magic like this. Pow, 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 pow. So it's all podcast friendly in Immortals of Avia, man. <laughs> that's right. <laughs> uh, okay, this thing, if you don't remember, this is the game that we talked about before. It is the boiler plate version of it and it's too um you know it's too simplistic but it's the fantasy call of duty it is the game that is made by brett robbins and ascendant studios a lot of talent uh who were at sledgehammer um they left the call of duty series to work on mortals of avium first person magic shooter where instead of guns you're shooting different colors of magic out of your hands and there's particle effects all over the place and whatnot and brett robbins was also the creative director for dead space uh has a long career we did a whole interview with him you can check that out but uh jacob how far are you in immortals of avium at this point i am in chapter nine uh of 20 i think i've played for about Six or seven hours, okay. which is longer than I thought I was going to, uh, which is kind of the the start of my thoughts on the game. Okay, yeah, I, I just started this game and I feel like I'm rooting for it because I'm excited for like, oh, new IP, and I think it's, I think it's a cool thing out of nowhere, and I think EA has done a really good job with the games they've been choosing uh, to partner and and publish here, and I'm rooting for it, and I enjoyed what I played so far. But how are you feeling about it at this point? Yeah, I, I mean it's. It is really, there is a great game in there that is uh, bogged down in other games that I don't like as much. Um, I think the the best thing about it is the Call of Duty, but spells um, right. thing, because like, uh, weirdly, I think the closest analog is actually Doom Eternal. Like, it's, right. it's mm. very Doom Eternally in that, like, you have a really big ability set that is all focused on shooting things and you have access to basically all of it all the time. Like, so you have, you have three main colors of magic that are kind of a rifle shotgun machine gun analog. But like within those, you can choose different things. You can, you know, you can modify the spells to make like the rifle more of a sniper, the shotgun, more of a rocket launcher. And in addition, you have, a whip that can pull enemies closer. You have like things that can kind of slow them down. You've got like a stun grenade. Um, you can double jump. You can hover. Like there is just your your uh, like verbs in a combat situation. They're all kind of shoot, but like there's a lot of flexibility. And unlike Call of Duty, you're not ducking behind cover and setting up and. Um, you know, you're not you're not just like stop and popping. Yeah. You're really running around very quickly and like changing how close you are to enemies and the, the arenas are are interesting. And so like the the actual shooting stuff of the game, the handgun combat is like really interesting and I think feels pretty good. Yeah, when I saw like uh when I got the the lash as they call it, kind of the whip to pull people towards you and like whipping them and then melee or pulling them towards you and then using your shotgun hand magic. I was like, this seems bullet stormy enough that I think Jacob Geller would like it. Yeah, it's and it gets also hard. Um which is another, you know, kind of like Doom Eternal. It's like they really want you to be using all of that stuff. Um what I don't like is at least mechanically where it departs from call of duty 
is it has a freaking screen with gear and red and green numbers. Okay, and this is just a Jacob stuff. thing where you hate all gear and it's, all games. This game does not need it. Like, if any game doesn't need it, yeah. it's like this should be a linear shooter with really interesting arenas and you gradually unlock new abilities and you switch between those. Instead, it's like kind of an open world for... I would say no reason like there are places that you can go back to and like solve a puzzle to open a chest, which is something that I never want to do and like won't do through my playthrough of this game and to provide content for going back and solving a puzzle and opening chest. You have uh, loot that you're collecting, you have money and and resources and you can like build new bracers and new rings and it's just like. I just don't care that red magic does 10% more damage. I, I can't imagine the version of me that is like compelled by that thing in this game specifically, which yeah. is so fast and kinetic and like mechanically focused. Yeah, I wonder if it's just coming from Call of Duty. They're like, okay, we're going to a fantasy world here. We should have some more RPG elements. How can we add some depth to this game? And maybe too many developers are using that as a shorthand of plus 3% to blue. <laughs> you know, I I understand you being a little bit fried on that idea, but uh, Haley, you were playing this too? Yeah, I'm, I'm, I just finished chapter 10. I played a lot of it. Oh my oh, God. Wow. It's me. Yeah, I really like it. Really? Right. Yeah. Specifically I mean, the, the gear. Reason, yeah, for the same reasons Jacob likes it. There's also a lot of parts I really am not enjoying. Like all the platforming stuff is very blah, like slow and clunky and... The puzzles are just color, like shoot green, shoot blue, shoot red. Where's the red one? It's over here around a corner you can't see. Like, that's the puzzles, which is yeah. fine or whatever. But it's really just people are talking and I'm like, fight, 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 fight. <laughs> like, I just want to like move along and like go fight something. And uh, it's hard to go from Baldur's Gate to this because Baldur's Gate has like the best writing I think I've ever encountered with like side characters. Yeah. Like, I actively go up and I'm like, what's up? What's up? Talk to me. Like, say something new because they're fun to talk to. Whereas these ones, I'm like, oh, like, it's fine. Don't get me wrong. You're not going to be like, oh, this writing's terrible. But they hit me with a, he's standing right behind me, isn't he? No! They literally say that. They, no. not, not even any modification. You, you, and it's like not even gear? cheeky or like fun. And I was just like, oh, and it's like, fight, fight, move along. <laughs> I, like, I don't want to hear it. I am surprised but. by how jokey it is. Even in the beginning, it's like they're going for a lot of quirky little bits. Um, you know, it's yeah, like, like oh. something horrible will happen. And Buddy's like, oh, another Wednesday or like something like that. And I'm like, <laughs> shut up. Like, shut up, shut up. Really? Just is it let me shoot this. I, like, so it has a they when Telltale imploded, I guess a lot of uh, former Telltale talent went to Ascendant Studios as well. Kyle, you did a preview on this game. You're hip to the development, right? Is that that sound about right? Yeah. Yeah, I went there, actually. And what yeah, the there's hell? a lot of Telltale folks there and they specifically cite for better or worse. And it sounds like worse, much worse in this situation, like Marvel, like that. The Marvel, the MCU is like what they're going for. Quippy, funny. Uh, stuff happening in the middle of action, you know. Yeah. And, uh, At least in the beginning, I I didn't think it was that obnoxious. It's like, okay, they're definitely trying to squeeze a lot of personality in here, but it's not to, and I'm even a defender of this, but it's not to full forspoken levels. It's it's a uh, creeping up there though. It, it I does later. Say. Okay. I okay. Think, yeah. I think the main character is pretty hateable. Unfortunately, oh he's he's a guy from. Um, 
it it is either never have i ever or like the summer i turned pretty or some kind of it's funny that like it's kind of stunt casting in that they had him on stage a lot but he's not like a He's in essentially like CW dramas, uh, which no disrespect, but not like a prestige actor. Um, <laughs> no disrespect other than this Gatling gun of disrespect I'm throwing at you. <laughs> yeah. Well, he's a good looking guy, right? So they got that going for it. So that's I, why they I, him up on He stage, certainly right? looks like a guy who is on CW dramas. And look, <laughs> look they're all hot. Um, but it, it, yeah, it's. I think the story actually has some really like the world has interesting concepts. I like that you start in this village that's built over essentially a bottomless pit that is just like opened in the world. And because the people there are like poor, they presumably have to live over this bottomless pit. And it's like, that's cool. And there are other, you know, I think the idea of an ever war is pretty fun. Like that's something that they say a million times, but it's like, yeah, there's, it's a game where there are missions that it's like, hey, this is a party. You can go and like talk to people or if you want, you can just go to your room. And I'm like, I'm going to my room. I don't I don't need to mingle. I don't need yeah. to like find out what people have to say here. Because there's like dialogue yeah. options and stuff, which also I wasn't expecting in this game. It's, it's yeah. just like, yes, yes, yes. See you later. Like, that's, <laughs> all, that's what it is. OK, but it's so yeah. it's the action, Haley, that's keeping you going here. Yeah, the fighting feels amazing. Like Jacob's kind of already talked about it, but just like the fact that everything can get switched quite easily on controller. Like I thought that felt nice. Like with some games, I kind of feel like I have to look down and fumble a bit. This one, not so much at all. And it just really reminds me of horizon where the fighting's so fun, but I could probably drop the story a little bit. Like not that I hate it or whatever, but I'm waiting to go fight robo dinosaurs or shoot things with my magic. Like that's what I want. So it just, that's so good. It almost makes me not like that other stuff even more. Maybe is where I'm at, even though it's fine. Yeah, it was just fun just like in the opening seeing some Call of Duty DNA brought into this fantasy setting of like you basically do in the opening you have the icon and somebody like follow this person. It all feels yeah. very smooth, very seamless. It was really they Bioshock were... Infinite at the start, I thought. I yeah. was getting like big Bioshock Infinite vibes, like huge landmarks. You're supposed to be going like this and looking around. Right, and right. Everyone's kind of chirping each other it's like come over here okay like that kind of energy and then it became like ratchet and clank rift a party with all the guns and then it was call of duty e2 like that's i guess that's the mix (laughs) yeah and Uh, then jack but not from jack and daxter (laughs) exactly uh Kyle, I was surprised. I know everyone has a lot on their plate, more than everybody could imagine, but I was surprised that you're like, I don't know if I'm going to have time for Mortals of Avium. It feels like a Kyle game. Like, it feels like you should yeah. check it out. Yeah, I, it's, and it's not even, it's truly not a matter of, like, any, nothing you guys have said. I've also talked with uh, Wes a fair bit about it, who reviewed it for Game Informer. Mm. Like, I do, it sounds like I would enjoy it. Like, I like a good single-player shooter with, like, enough story there to keep you going. That sounds cool. But man, yeah, I don't know. I, 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 it's on my, it's already on my backlog. And I think at the time of this recording, it came out like 48 hours ago or something. Yeah. You know, it's just, and October is just insane. It's just, there's a lot of happening. Yeah. I wonder. It kind of reeks of a backlog game, too. Like, that's yeah, what it's it like feels next like. January. Get into Immortals of Avia. Yeah. yeah. Right. And I don't know what I mean by that. I don't mean it's bad. It just is a backlog game. That's just what it is. I say that having played a lot of it in a day. But, you know, right. Yeah, yeah. But I think there's like. I wanna, the, it, it might, man. I might play it. Yeah, you should. We'll see. If there's some, if there's some like 48 hour period where I don't have anything, maybe I'm tired of, uh, you know, I. Uh, Starfield in the future or something. I'll, I'll, I'll take an Immortals Baby and break or something like that. Kyle, it has a nice delayed title screen. I know you love that. 
Do I? Uh, Is that a thing I've said? Oh, I you're guess I like that. Obsessed with it. I like uh, I like big bold fonts title screens. That's it's what got I'm that. Into. Oh, it's got fonts. There's words. Oh, it has fonts. Right. You say. <laughs> <laughs> but it, the, the backlog game is interesting because does that overlap pretty clearly also with like cult hit? Do, I, I feel like this could be one of those mm. games that two years from now people are like, Mortals of Avium got robbed, man. Go back. Everyone go back. It's the kind of thing where Mortals of Avium, Immortals of Avium 2 could be amazing. Right. And right. it gets people to go back to one and go, okay, but I like two way better. Like, do you know what I mean? I right. feel like that's its story. Like if I also read approach. I mean, right? Yeah. Even though it has big moments, it does not, to me, feel like a game where people are going to be like, oh, did you see this moment in Immortals of Avi? You know, it's yeah. like Spider-Man 2 is probably going to have that stuff. And so I want to play it when it releases so I can be in those conversations. I don't think people are going to be like that about Immortals of Avium because what's fun about it is you yeah. throw a blue spell and then a green spell and then a red spell. And that's <laughs> satisfying. And it sounds good when you land the spells. It's like, ding, ding, yeah. ding, ding, ding. Yeah. You're like, yes, 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 yes. Like, that's, that's why it's good. I, I do think there's an interesting discussion to be had. We won't have it, but just to talk <laughs> about, like, new IP this year of, like, Immortals of Avium and Forspoken and, like, the, the overlaps there because it, it's a fascinating... The, there's, there, I'm sorry, there's another one that I played, like, I played the first, like, two hours of uh, that, like, you glide around on the sand and you also have something you wear on your wrist that talks to you. Atlas Fallen. That's Ooh. the game I'm thinking of. Okay. It feels very go. much in that zone where it's like the first two hours, like, oh, there's some cool ideas here. This feels pretty good, but it's like, sorry, Atlas Fallen. I don't know if I'm going to be able to spend a lot more time with you. It's nothing personal, I promise. Forgive us, Atlas Fallen. Uh, Immortals of Avium. It's out on everything but uh, Switch. Uh, heads up, I guess the, the PC version is uh, a little bit rough. I mean, I was playing. Also, oh, yeah? Um, I've been playing on PS5. Uh, they've assured me that this is uh, only a small amount of people, but. I talked to multiple people who had it. The there is something about the HDR uh, that is very messed up that makes the game like almost unplayably dark, and you oh. can't change any settings to fix it. I imagine it's something that will get patched out pretty quickly, but it's not patched out yet, uh, yeah. and so it affected my experience. Oh boy! Yeah, I was playing uh, on my 3080 in at 1080, and I still had to have everything on low just to make it run. So. Yeah, it's Jeez. a little rough. Steam is is not uh, in love with it at this point. But so, Mortal Avium. Curious to see what you think. Um, Haley, you wowed the world when you said, "I love Texas Chainsaw Massacre, the video game," and I played it all weekend. <laughs> I love it. Really? Oh, uh, it's so fun. Yeah, it's really fun. It, it kind of feels like a game that's going to get tucked under the carpet. Yeah, but it's so fun, and it, yeah. Because oh, Dead it. by Daylight, you love. Yes, and this I've just put like a thousand hours into that. Jesus Christ, I love it. Whoa, it's like my comfort. It's my weird comfort game. <laughs> uh, and so this does it feel just like oh, it's a similar twist on that uh, formula of just four v one stuff. So yeah, what's interesting about this one and what maybe sets it apart is it's four v three actually. Oh. So there's four four victims and three family members you play as, and then you are the victims are trying to escape the family members trying to kill everybody. Um, and by the game's metric, the family loses as if even one person gets away. Although most people just are like, yeah, I got some. Like, it's not really like win or lose. It's just it, you kind of just play. Um, Dead by Daylight is this is a weird space, asymmetrical horror games, because like Dead by Daylight has so much reverence and stuff that like ultimately games just get compared to it no matter what. Like the Ghostbusters one, Friday the 13th, Evil Dead. Um, like what are other ones? Like they kind of fall away and then Dead by Daylight just ex- keeps existing forever because yeah. it has 
it does have more depth than any other asymmetrical horror game that's out there just for how crazy you could get and how skilled you could be like i still play it sometimes and they match me in high mmr with these people and i'm like how do you run around a bush different than anyone else but i can't <laughs> hit you like it's just like people are just so good and there's so much depth to it but with this game specifically um it does feel interesting that 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 dynamic is shifted and you might say like oh my god well isn't it way easier for the killers now there's three of them and only four victims but the, essentially the premise is like the four victims start in the basement there's three different maps um and Leatherface is always in the basement too. And there's, oh, it's such, it's so, see, it's hard to explain these, right? It sounds kind of weird. Grandpa, <laughs> I. <laughs> uh, you're off to a good start. <laughs> Grandpa is a, is almost like the fourth player, but he's an NPC. And what he does is he reveals the locations of the survivors if they're moving. And then the killers can go give Grandpa more blood, like in the movie when they fed him blood, I guess. I've never seen the movie. That's probably I stupid, and I love this, but whatever. Um, and then if you keep maxing him out with blood, by the end, he's level five. And even if you're not moving, they can see you. So the goal is to get it. You can't just hide and be like a, like a jerk and not escape and hide in a bush. Um, you have to like actually move around and be doing things because eventually they'll just go feed grandpa a bunch of blood until they're like, there, there she is and just go kill you. So that you have that kind of over your head. Um, Bubba is in the basement. I call him Bubba. <laughs> That's what dead by daylight people call him. And he has to, the goal of Bubba is to try to get as many kills before they leave the basement. Cause once they leave the basement, it's kind of like there's now four or five different ways they could escape doing a bunch of different minor things around the map. You could do a fuse box, get a lever to open up a pipe. Um, you could turn off generators to open gates with pick locks, all this stuff. Um, but the killers do serious damage, so you can't just be out in the open like, I'm going to go get a lock pick and like walk around. Like You had to be kind of stealthy and get around. So there's already all these like ways to escape that are really unique, and like it's very co-op-y. Like, more people are in voice chat than in, in a lot of other games I all play, right. just being like, fuse doors open, fuse doors open, go up right, left, like, and then go, they're already go. talking about it. Yeah, it's great. It's like very fun. Um, Are you playing on uh, Xbox? Because it's on Game Pass, right? I'm playing on PC, and okay. then but I've been playing with friends too who are on Xbox. Um, there are a lot of problems with that currently. Like we pretty much. Speaking of problems, uh, wow, she's doing the constantly. like perfectly ironic uh, <laughs> internet cutouts. <laughs> Yeah. Oh, I think maybe the problems are my internet, not the game. Sorry. <laughs> but anyways, uh, yeah, so there's some issues there. I've also had quite a few bugs where none of my XP is carrying over to other games. So I've been level 15 for like hours and I should be like way higher. Uh, and like you, you like max out skill trees to get better perks to run better or whatever. But anyways, um, yeah, so it's it's very I think it's very good. Um, I think what might happen is people get way too sweaty because there's already ways to get out like in three minutes if the killers don't know exactly what they're doing Ooh, okay and i've actually gotten out in like two and a half minutes three minutes before just like watching strats on youtube it's like you just have to go here get a fuse go down fix it go out and you can leave if you know the exact route but if the killer is just standing on the stairs you can't do it yeah. so there's like a lot of balancing that still needs to happen like killers have to become aware of the best routes out and survivors have to be able to say oh that route's no good i gotta divert and go over here and that kind of stuff and there's abilities the killers can use and all that kind of stuff yeah. uh people I'm not, like, uh, out of breath because i like so much explaining no, no, that's how a, weird it well is. if you're being chased by a chainsaw massacre um backstage pass they're wondering <laughs> will it be in your top five at the end of the year texas chainsaw massacre Ooh. i think it, it yeah i Whoa. think it already is like wow. it's really fun whoa and all right you, 
Another interesting like legal thing that's going on with this game too is, you know, they didn't, I don't think they expected it to do this well. They had a million players at launch, which is huge. Like that's really big for a game like this. Um, so they're like, yippee, like, oh my God, everyone loves it. And they did a play test back in, I want to say May. Um, and it did like kind of okay. Like the Dead by Daylight YouTubers played it and it got some attention, but for some reason it really picked up. So now everyone's like, oh my God, release stuff from the second movie. Give us costumes from the third movie. Oh but they only have the rights to the 1974 movie, the first one. Um, so oh. they can only do things it, from that movie and like all the characters from that movie. Um, so they essentially, one of the creators went on Twitter and was like, talk about this game a lot so we can go back to the negotiating board and try to get more movies. Like we need you to gas it up so that Hollywood, he says in quotation marks, lets us do more stuff. So I guess like they just had a hard time getting licensing. And if they get enough attention, which I think they have, like I think they're probably already negotiating and they're going to get two and three and whatever other movies um, to do more DLC and sell it because there's the market there for this already. It's interesting to think of like, you know, Everybody going back and mining old horror IP, like the Friday the 13th was maybe the first one that was kind of in this mold, and now we have like Killer Clowns from Outer Space, but I feel oh, like right. everyone's just kind of, oh, they're going after Dead by Daylight, uh, good luck everybody, but the fact that like this is hitting as hard as it is, is just yeah. a weird reminder, like, okay, I guess there's still gold in them hills, uh, let's go back and find some more IP after all. And it's hard with horror because they that that's a medium that's so heavily protected and games aren't, like, they don't want Leatherface doing things that they don't want Leatherface to do. And <laughs> he stuff. has like, his they're dignity. Very, even though, like, the <laughs> mummification of horror is a thing. Like, they don't want official corporations with the IP doing, like, Bubba being silly. Like, like they want Bubba to just have a chainsaw and do what Bubba does, not, like, sip tea and, like, have an emote where he's, like, right. eating gummy bears or something. Like, they're very protective. So their last game, Ilphonic, I think it was the developers of this, too, was the Friday the 13th that got mm-hmm. turned off yeah. because they lost the licensing. So... I think it's staying on, like, people who own it can play it until 2024, and then it's gone forever, because they just lost the licensing. So that can happen to any of these games at any time. We don't know what their contracts look like. Like, even if this is crazy successful, if they're like, oh, we don't like what you're doing, they could just be like, see ya, and take it all away at any point. Um, Mm -hmm. Have I ever spread the good word to you, Haley, about a little game called Dragon Ball The Breakers? (laughs) No, but I'd love to hear. Well, imagine... Dead by Daylight, but better, and Dragon Ball. And <laughs> Wait, I saw a com- I saw the trailer for this. Really? And it's seven v one, and you got to take down the big Dragon Ball villains. Every once in a while, it's like I want to go in and just see how that community is doing. Are they, do they exist? Are people playing Dragon Ball the Breakers see, anymore? You they can tell me that hasn't come out yet, or it's <laughs> coming out next year. The fact that it's out right now, and you just said that, I'm like, oh wow. See, I don't even, like I'm in this space like crazy. I didn't oh, even know no. that came out. Dragon Ball Nuts they've, breaking like, the, They've added the Ginyu Force, and like Vegeta is one of the villains. Now. Really? They've added all kinds of stuff. Yeah, oh, I gotta wow. go back. I gotta go back. Gotta um, go back. Gotta go back. A, go back. There's That's a game a that, oh, we hear you, Kyle, and we love it. Uh, there's a game that uh, I finished uh, that Jacob Geller said, I want to hear about this game, but I don't want to play it. Uh, just to really out you right away. This is a Stray Gods from Summerfall Studios. Um, do you all know about this, the, the musical game? Mm-hmm. It's a, it's a weird idea. Um, so it is an interactive musical is the pitch. Um, and to make you maybe slightly more interested... Um, it's written by David Gator, who was at Bioware for years and years and years, worked on Knights of the Republic, and then was a big writer for the entire Dragon Age series. And he left Bioware, and I kind of see this as like his blank check game. This is his chance to make the game he always wanted to make, and it turns out that's 
a musical experience. It's basically musical, visual novel-ish. You're making choices here and there, but that's probably the best way to look at uh, what's going on here. Um, and then the person who did the music for Stray Gods is Austin Winery, who's a composer for uh, Journey and Assassin's Creed Syndicate and a bunch of stuff out there. Uh, you might recognize him from the Play, Watch, Listen podcast, which is uh, one of my favorite gaming podcasts. It's so good. But then also he was an episode of Crossfade, our music podcast, where he was just raving about Cat Stevens for two hours. If you want to go listen to that, it's pretty cool. Um, yeah, I was just curious about it because I... I am trying to open my mind more and more to musicals in my life. You know, it's like I love Disney movies growing up and stuff, but I've been going to more and more like uh, stage productions of musicals and be like, wait, maybe I do like musicals a lot. Maybe maybe this yeah, is good stuff. Awesome. Yeah, it turns out they're fun. Um, and Stray Gods, I'm glad I finished it. It's like six hours or so uh, to go through it, but I just realized like I had never really played a quote-unquote visual novel before, even if this is probably on the edge of the visual novel experience. But... Um, I'm, I'm glad I did it. Why, why is everybody, why is it just, is there any other genre other than visual novel where it's just like a lock that every character is going to be smoking hot and that just seems like a <laughs> pillar of the entire genre? Is it just because you're... Hey, you're going to be looking at them the whole time. I guess. Like, you, just, you <laughs> yeah. need to really like these relatively still images, so we got to give you a lot to look at, so... I th- genuinely, though, I think there's, there's like dating sim roots in the oh, visual novel, right, right? right it's right, like right. an evolution of the dating sim, kind of. So yeah. I think that's that's part of it, too. I think you're totally right, yeah. So the premise of Stray Gods is it is uh, Greek mythology, but modern day. And it's, it's a cool idea where uh, the gods are basically disappearing. They're called idols in this world. And so they're like, we don't know where Zeus went. Uh, Poseidon, he just like walked into the sea and never came back. It's just, it is chaos out there. And so we're trying to keep these gods together. And then someone has killed uh, the muse Calliope. And so you play a character who then inherits the soul of the muse Calliope. And then it's a really good premise for a musical because then she's inspiring everybody around her to sing. So that's why everybody's breaking out into song is because of your powers that you're inflicting on them. Um, but the writing is is great. I really enjoyed it. Like if you're craving... Uh, I want to say old school, but I guess that goes back further than this, but a, a now middle era Bioware, Dragon Age-esque Bioware RPG uh, level writing, but about Greek mythology. Like you should, you should check out Stray Gods. Um, there's also a bunch of music in it and the music, <laughs> I was always looking forward to it. I was exciting, excited about it when it came up. It's kind of like playing an old uh, RPG on PS1, like waiting for that cutscene moment. Like, oh, I can't wait for the song to start. This is going to be sweet. Um, music, I wasn't exactly humming any of it. Uh, it didn't, it didn't blow me away, but I was always happy to get to it. You know, it's like I, uh, I saw a musical version of 12 Angry Men not too long ago. And it reminds Mm -hmm. me of that where it's just a lot of people singing, but it's just a lot of, no, you're a racist. There must be another reason. It's just kind of like singing (laughs) the words, but I'm a simpleton when it comes to music. But in my mind, it's like, I, I would like things to be a little catchy. I want to, some sort of and chorus here that sticks with me. Isn't isn't one of the hooks of this that um, your decisions will yes. make the music change styles somehow? Yeah, yeah. So you have like uh, 
there's multiple traits, and you choose a trait in the beginning uh, between charming, kick-ass, and clever. It's kind of like the Paragon Renegade-style choices, you know, but they're a little more interesting than that. Um, and so throughout the game, you're making those decisions, and you have, like, dialogue options where you can kick into that. But then during the songs themselves, you're also choosing branches. So it is... I know too much about the behind-the-scenes. Uh, game Informer had a nice preview about it. Um, and then also on Playwatch Listen, the podcast, uh, Austin Winter has talked a lot about it. But it's, uh, yeah... Imagine that Mass Effect-style dialogue choice complexity, but then also interwoven into verses of songs. So they don't just have to write, like, an entire album's worth of songs. They have to write so many more variants of that just to try and get every possible path. Um, and so that's that's tough, I think, to write that many lyrics that will pop. But it's really cool that somebody tried it. That's kind of my takeaway from the game. Is I'm glad I played it, and I'm happy that somebody tried to make the video game musical. Um, and I think it, it, it looks great. It, they have every big voice actor in here. You got your Troy Baker being Apollo. You got uh, Laura Bailey is the main Troy character. Troy Baker sings in a video game? Oh, yeah. That, that can't be right. It was kind he, of fun. He hates like, to sing in video games. <laughs> Believe it or not. It's this a, dude. I think he plays guitar, too. Did you know that about him? <laughs> uh, you're salty today, Jacob. What's going on with you? Uh, yeah, he plays Apollo in the game, and I kind of... I have nothing against Troy Baker, but I was like, I'm just going to be mean to one character in this game, and I'm just going to dunk on Apollo <laughs> at every opportunity and hope that he doesn't sing. Uh, but yeah, I, I enjoyed my time with it. I don't think it's going to be in my top ten, but it's a, it's a cool thing. Stray Gods uh, is the name of that thing. Uh, hey, Kyle? Kyle? Yes, it's me. Hello. Ky- Kyle Hilliard, not Bossman. Yes. He's been here the whole time. We just haven't talked to him. Yeah, we probably should have acknowledged that he's here the whole time. Uh, yeah. Kyle, do you know how this whole thing operates? Uh, bio breaks. Bio breaks. Go ahead and go bio on breaks. one. That's right. And you can't spell bio break without Patreon. Patreon.com slash minmax with two ends. Thank you, everybody, for keeping this whole thing operational. We could not exist literally uh, without you. So we very much appreciate it. You can go to patreon.com slash minmax. Find a tier that works for you. Find something sustainable that keeps us sustainable. Join the deepest dive in Armored Core, please. We'd love to have you jump in. We're trying to be as inviting as possible. Uh, thank you as well to some of our biggest supporters. You know who they are. I'm talking about HelloFresh, everybody. HelloFresh, you get farm fresh pre-portioned ingredients and seasonal recipes delivered right to your doorstep. Skip trips to the grocery store and count on HelloFresh to make home cooking easy, fun, and affordable. And that is, of course, why it's America's number one meal kit. Uh, I am delighted by HelloFresh. Uh, every time they ship a big box to my house, it's Christmas morning. I rip it open and I start just shoving the food in my mouth and my wife says, Ben, you have to cook it first. And I say, well, that'll take too long. And then she says, Ben, don't you know HelloFresh? It makes cooking easy, fast, and affordable. And I say, by God, this is easy and fast. Uh, and I truly enjoy the experience of cooking HelloFresh meals. Uh, they say the key to their time success it's variety, y'all. HelloFresh keeps your taste buds on their toes with 40 chef-crafted recipes to select from every week, from family-friendly to fit and wholesome food. You'll always find new and exciting recipes to try and love. And Jacob, you know how it seems like your family's always hungry all the time? I, I don't even live with my family, but I'm just hungry all the time. But you could probably call them and ask them, and I bet your parents... Oh, but I, yeah, they're hungry all the time. Yeah, exactly. You can add snacks and sides and more to your weekly HelloFresh order. Just simply shop HelloFresh Market and take your pick from a curated selection of over 100 add-on items to make sure your family's fed and ready to go. Hey, Kyle, do you know how your family's hungry all the time? God, they're 
starving constantly. That's why you should go to HelloFresh.com slash 50MinMax and use code 50MinMax, numerical 50, 50MinMax for 50% off plus free shipping. That is HelloFresh.com slash 50MinMax. Use code 50MinMax for 50% off plus free shipping. There is a link below uh, for exactly what you're looking for. Kyle, I'm excited to plug this next thing for my mate for you. I made bit for you. Are you ready for this? I'm ready. I'm present. I'm here. All right. They want everybody to know about the vinyl soundtrack on I Am 8-Bit's wonderful site for Jendi Tartakovsky's Primal. Have you watched this yet? His new show? I haven't. It's on, like, on my Max account. It's, like, been sitting on my watch list, like, since the day it premiered. But well, uh, my understanding is, is it is very violent, yeah. so I haven't found time to be on my own to watch it. Well, why watch it when you can listen to it? Uh, oh. That's right, everybody. The soundtrack to Primal, the adult swim show from Jenny Tartakovsky. Of course, the creator of Dexter's Laboratory uh, and so many more good things. Uh, so you can get that I Am 8-Bit's wonderful site. They have a double vinyl classic black experience. It includes a double-sided fold-out poster. Uh, music by Tyler Bates and Joanne Higginbottom, and the album art is, of course, by uh, Tartakovsky and Scott Willis, so check it out. And you can go to I'm 8-Bit's wonderful online store. That is just I'm8Bit.com. I, look, they're, they're the coolest store online. They're just fantastic. I love if, I'm 8-Bit. I know they pay us to say it, but sincerely, every time they announce like a partnership, it's like, well, that's another cool brand. That's, that's a cool thing to have in your store. Like, to have the vinyl soundtrack to this show, also a cool thing. So you can go to their store, and you can use the promo code GOATCHEESEMONTH, all one word, GOATCHEESEMONTH, for 10% off of everything in their store. Help support I Am 8-Bit, because they support us and the community each and every week by shipping out a physical prize to a member of the community. If you're a supporter at any tier on Patreon, listen to me! I say this stuff, but no one listens. If you're a supporter at any tier, you can submit a question. Then I'm 8-Bit ships one lucky winner a physical prize to their darn house. Whoever has the best question of the week. Uh, This week, it is the Bear and Breakfast game uh, on Nintendo Switch. The I'm 8-Bit exclusive edition of Bear and Breakfast. So whoever has the best question wins this. So thanks, everybody, for submitting great questions. I still need to play that. That, like, was so on my radar, and I just... Or some something else must have come out the same week, and I yeah. never played it. I really want to play that. Yeah, it's right up there with Immortals of Avium, I think, for a lot of yeah. people. Another, another backlog game. They're the same. Those uh, two. Villas writes in and says, Stray Gods is the game I most want to play right now that I feel like I don't have time for. Once I saw Laura Bailey was the main character and the rest of the cast, I was like, yup, yup, yup. I know Ben has a deeply rooted animosity towards all actors. By the way, welcome back, new dad Ben. Hello, thank you. Um, but are there any games y'all are looking forward to or have enjoyed more because of the voice actors who are in it ra- rather than the actual content of the game? Oh. Well, like even today, seeing Roger Clark for that game, I can't even remember. Fort his name. Solace, Sorry, which is the other Tree Baker thing. Yeah. yeah. Like I love Roger Clark, but Vo- voice I of never Arthur heard of that Morgan. game. Yeah, I mean, so but- I was like, voice of Arthur Morgan, yes. Yeah. So I was like, oh, okay, what's this? And like, I don't think I would have thought about it again if he wasn't on stage with it right right does he need to be doing an arthur morgan impression or you think just hearing him do his default voice is enough to be like all right i'm in i just want to hear him more a little bit need arthur morgan impression a little time can he just have a little southern drawl like a little bit (laughs) in the game maybe if it contextually makes sense as a lawyer do you think rockstar would shut that down fast if he was just being in other uh, games as the voice of Arthur Morgan. The opening line is, I've seen your name in our legend. <laughs> <laughs> oh, hell, so many games cameos? Like, he, basically, he do... as Arthur Clark? 
It would or, be like for another right. commercial product, <laughs> probably. He couldn't do it. Or like he could still do a southern voice. He just can't be like, I'm Arthur Morgan, like in that other game, like oh Dutch. We need money for the till or some. I don't know. Can't remember. Who needs Roger Clark when you have Haley McClain? My God. (laughs) Thank you. I actually got a cameo from him for my birthday. Did you really? (laughs) Yeah, he's he was really sweet. He was really nice. What do you say? Uh, My partner told him that I graduated law school and platinumed Red Dead Two, and he was like, "Those are both equally hard. Good for you." you." (laughs) Thank you. That's sweet. That's sweet. Yeah. Uh, Yeah. I mean, it's so simplistic. I was thinking of Red Dead as well, like the original. Like I liked. You know, the PS2 uh, GTA games were really important to me, but Red Dead wasn't exactly, like, top of the heap back in 2009, 2010 for hype. But then I saw that trailer, like the John Marston's trailer, where it's just, I'm here to capture or kill Bill Williamson. And then the sheriff just goes, okay. And, like, that, like, performance alone was enough for me. Like, I, all right, I am absolutely in for this game if that's the level of vo that they're delivering just in a trailer yeah. oh my god it's so awesome and that was i think with roger clark and i can't remember the voice of john marston this is both that was both their first time doing voice acting Man. like the guy who voices john marston was just like a dude who lived on a farm like like a now a very nice farm i would imagine with like a bunch more money but well, yeah and like well, roger clark voice actors are trying to unionize too <laughs> sure <laughs> Uh, I remember Polygon went out and interviewed him, I think. Yeah, when, that's a great like piece, a, yeah. He had, like, a really cool house and was just, like, a down-to-earth chill guy who doesn't want to do more voice acting. That was before Red Dead 2, so obviously he did a bit more, but... Right, right. I mean, you can't yeah. top it. Um, it's, it's uh, you know, kind of... I don't know if it's parasocial or just social at this point, but um, a <laughs> friend of MinMax and me, Sarah Elmala, um, it's just, like... It's just fun when she's in a game, you know? And it's like, oh, I've been on a podcast with her. Yeah. Oh, God, I forgot to tell you. Weirdest thing. I went to New York for that preview event for Konami and checked into the hotel. And I was at the desk checking in. And this person walked by me. And I looked at her and I was like, that's interesting. And then I was like, wait, Sarah Elmale? (laughs) She turned around. She's like, what? Who is this? So I just randomly ran into her. In a hotel. She wasn't there for the event or anything. But uh, if you remember her, she's on the podcast. Then she was on uh, The Deepest Dive for Mass Effect. And she was Corsica and Hi-Fi Rush and a thousand other things. But yeah, it is it is delightful to see her pop up in a game now. It's like, oh, it's, we're, we're close to a celebrity. She's in Ratchet and Clank Rift Apart. That's huge. She plays a <laughs> Minnesotan alien. Come on. Uh, Patrick Hughes writes in and they say, Ahoy, good folks at MinMax. And welcome back, Hanson. Thank you. Uh, with the news of Charles Martinet stepping down from the role of Mario. All right. There's more to this question, but we should probably unpack Moment this. of silence. Yeah. For this <laughs> for, living man. For that's still alive, Charles Martinet. <laughs> Kyle, gut reaction when you found out that Mario has been zipped up. Oh, uh, n- not that heart breaking come on <laughs> have an emotion like, you Charles Martinet is great but i remember many years ago on the game former show you joked once that like like uh could i call my aunt and have her do a mario impression <laughs> and how close would she get to it she'd probably nail it and it's like i think he came up with like a really iconic voice for mario but he also kind of dana carvied it in a way that it's like <laughs> it's kind of easy to emulate and like i i don't 
Like, but I feel like I'm being rude to this, like this, like icon in, you are. in, in video games. No, Haley know? nailed it. Yeah, it's like Kermit or like check out my Yoda impression. It's like, yeah, okay, <laughs> yeah. we got it. We which got is it. like, which is like uh, admirable in its own way. Like that's what makes it fun to do the Mario voice. Is like that's that's a skill in its own, you know. But um, in terms of like, I I saw people sharing clips of the Wonder trailer and being like, oh, it feels so different now, and I'm like. Does it really? If that's not him, I don't. Well, it's interesting because like people were sharing clips right when that trailer first released of people like theorizing that he wasn't voicing Mario in the game. And I remember being like, okay, internet, calm down. You're a little paranoid. And now you go back and listen to it. It's like specifically, I think he gets the power up and he goes like, wonderful. And it's like, oh, it is. It is slightly different. But like a lot of the other Waz and Wahoos, I just feel like they have those in the can and they're probably just reusing those. So it feels like that's. Or maybe that's not even him there, but in the trailer, yeah. it certainly still sounds like him. But the wonderful, am, you can hear it. I am happy to hear that it's like like I, I don't I don't understand the I, I think intentionally we don't really know exactly what's going on. Where he <laughs> is he retiring? Does Nintendo just want to cast somebody different? I don't know. But like the fact that he has a new role and will continue to be connected to Mario, I think is lovely and very cool. You know, it's not it's not their drop and hater for Kiefer Sutherland. It doesn't feel like that you know yeah um, although it is it is weird it's a lovely idea that now he's going to be in the brand new role of mario ambassador but like the way they announced it was suspicious of just like putting out a tweet and saying at some point miyamoto and him will say something about it but it's like why why jump ahead of it now i thought it's because it's going to be gamescom news but it doesn't seem like there is and so i don't understand what's going know. on there although like i um the one time i saw charles Martinet in the flesh it was at gamescom and so Maybe he was going to be going again, and they just figured he'd be running his Italian mouth faster than possible about not being a Mario Wonder, so they're scared of it leaking ahead of Gamescom. It's the best I can figure, but it's odd. Really a weird announcement. I, I met him at E3, and he was so sweet. He was, like, the <laughs> nicest man. It was before, like, he was going to the Nintendo booth, so, like, people weren't swarming him yet. Mm. And he was like, come here. And I was like, oh, I just want to say, like, you're great. Like, I love you. And he's like, come here. Let's take a picture. Like, he was, like, very sweet. And I tried to take a video, and the PR woman with him was like, no videos. And he's like, sorry about that. Like, he was, like, just the <laughs> cutest <laughs> guy ever. Would you say he, uh, as Ben described, was running his Italian mouth? <laughs> He was on the way to, I think. He had a yeah. big subway, like a sandwich sub and some spaghetti, and he looked really pissed Not off. beating the allegations of being an Italian. <laughs> uh, maybe, you know, it, it is sad. I mean, he's a, a legendary voice. Um, I, I don't know. I assume people are like, oh, it's going to be Chris Pratt and jumping on that bandwagon. But, like, it's nice. He got the big tip of the cap in the Mario movie, at least. And, like, I, yeah. I'd imagine it's also a little bit of... We should do this before this uh, guy who's kind of up in years just dies and really bums everybody out. Like, let's let's start having him step away from the limelight here. He'll yeah. never I mean, die. That's He'll right. Die. Of course. <laughs> he, him and Miyamoto are just immortal. Um, yeah, maybe him. But yeah, he certainly <laughs> did, he's been doing it for a while. He's you know did a fantastic job. He certainly deserves the opportunity to retire, but still be involved at, at, at whatever level he wants to be. And I'm and I'm hoping that's what it is. Right, because you could read between the lines and be like, "They're trying to get somebody new in here, and they're just trying to do it in a polite way." But maybe that's me being cynical. I don't know. I don't know. And Nintendo said, "Like, stay tuned to the credits, of Mario Wonder, to see who's replacing it." But it definitely feels like there's kind of this era of Nintendo of wanting to focus on personalities less. Right? Like, we're not going to have Reggie is not exactly, uh, you know, Doug Bowser isn't becoming the new Reggie of doing skits and stuff like that. Like, they're trying to become more of a company and less about singling out and highlighting individuals. So it's easy to read this into that, that like they don't need 
this outlier third party guy. It's a weird way to look at him, but just, you know, some guy who's not officially a Nintendo employee running around and talking to everybody. Like, I'm sure it rubs them the wrong way constantly. Like, this guy can say anything. He's doing other roles. Um, so He's a dragon in Skyrim. <laughs> right, right. But I am curious then to see, like, who the new voice is. And I would put money on them just never letting the new voice do interviews. But, mm. yeah. uh, but anyways, so Patrick Hughes says, uh, I thought it'd be fun to take a look back at the man of Yahoo's career outside the roles of just Mario in a little game called Martin A or Martin Not. Guess whether the following games... Well, nay also means no. <laughs> Martin, yeah. Martin A or Martin Yay. There's a little there <laughs> for you. Okay. Guess whether the following games feature Charles Martin A. Uh, Jacob, Super Punch-Out. Uh, no. Yes. Apparently he's the announcer. So, so that came out after Mario 64? Oh. Super Punch-Out on the Super Nintendo? Apparently. Apparently. Or maybe they meant punch out for the Wii. Either oh, way, Patrick's uh, Patrick was going to be like, because I was also thinking SNES, and I was like, what was the voice acting? It's confusing. But, uh, let's see. Haley, Donkey Kong 64. No. Correct, of course. Uh, Kyle already mentioned that, yes, he is in Skyrim. He plays a dragon, which is pretty fun. Uh, Jacob Do I get Geller. a point for that? Or? Uh, sure. Jacob okay, uh, right. Geller, is, yes. is he in Grand Theft Auto 4? Yes. Incorrect. That's embarrassing. Uh, Kyle, is he in Ratchet and Clank future colon a crack in time? Oh, I think so. He is. He's Orvis, the creator of Clank, apparently. Martin Yeh. Uh, Let's see. Does anybody want to take a guess? Is he in Jet Set Radio Future? No. No. Of course he is. He's the main villain. Uh, (laughs) I didn't know this. Is he in Star Wars Jedi Knight 2, Jedi Outcast? I don't know. Yes. Yes. Various NPCs. And then, of course, he's in the Bit Trip Presents Runner 2 Future Legend of Rhythm Alien, which is my favorite role of his above any Mario game because he just plays himself. Like, I always love it because you start up that game and he's like, hello, it's me, Charles Martinet. I'm the announcer for Runner 2. You got to do it. It's fun. Uh, Thank you, Patrick. Uh, Let's see. Jai Bones writes in and says, welcome back. Thank you. Uh, My city used to have one A&W that made chicken tacos. They were not particularly amazing, but they were unique, and I'd often have them with my family growing up, but the A&W has since closed due to a fire and never opened back up. Does anybody have something they crave to eat but don't have access to it anymore? And if anyone knows of another A&W that has tacos, let me know. You can contact Jibones in the Midmax Discord. So this is like a, fran- a franchise not I necessarily, so. I guess, anything, right? I mean, you'll bum us out if you say, my grandma made the best mac and cheese and right. she passed well, away. Well, there was, there was, a, there was a, a hoagie restaurant on my college campus called Hoagie Haven. And after I graduated, it closed. Um, and now it's Jimmy John's, I think. And, oh. like, I still crave that sandwich, like, every, like, year. And it just does, it just straight up does it. I could go back to Charleston, South Carolina, and I, it wouldn't be an option for me to consume that sandwich, which uh, is, makes me sad. Um, did you watch news radio, Kyle? Uh, no, uh, I know you're a super fan. Right? I do love news radio. Yeah, there's an episode where they have an old vending machine with a bunch of sandwiches in it, and they're hauling it away because it's so old. But Phil Hartman, his character, he's like obsessed with the sandwiches, so he like stashes a bunch of them and he tries eating them, but they're really old. And like 
he has them, they have him like bite into this old sandwich and just makes like a crispy like <laughs> like crunchy oh, stuff. No. That's what I imagine you doing with a hoagie haven hoagie that you have stashed away somewhere in your house. I wish I had one stashed away and that'd be, that'd be beautiful. Anybody else got one? Um, there used to be a milkshake place in downtown Durham called Oxen Rabbit, which I loved. And, uh, they had like a, you know, classic kind of, uh, soda fountain milkshake machine, whatever. Uh, and, and I can't get that kind of milkshake anymore. Um, also I, uh, visited, uh, South Korea last year and there's a lot of Korean food that I could get, but it's like, you know, the closest H Mart to me is like an hour away or something. Um, Tukbaki is like a spicy rice cake. Uh, oh. Unbelievably good. Truly oh. so, so good. And and I have not found like a nearby. I don't really want to make it myself. I want it to like I want to get it from a restaurant. Yeah. Um, and I haven't found a place nearby that does it. God, you just reminded me in Japan, they have curry house Coco Ichibanya, uh, which is just awesome Japanese curry. It's basically, it feels like the equivalent of like a Chipotle, except there's like beer that you can order there. But like, it's so simplistic. I understand there's better food in Japan. I understand that. But I have such a sweet, nostalgic spot in my heart for curry house uh, curry. And it's like, there's a couple places in California. And then I was so excited. It's not anywhere else in the States. And it drives me insane. Except when I went to Hawaii in January, I realized like, oh my God, there's such a Japanese influence here. I bet they have a uh, cocoa curry. I can't wait. And then found it and went to it. And it was like in a food court in a mall. And I dragged my wife and like the people we were staying with all the way there. And it was like a solid five out of 10 version of, <laughs> of this uh, classic curry house stuff. So please open up a place in Minneapolis with Japanese curry. I, I beg the world, but they refuse to do it. Mine is uh, also a drink, actually. And I can never get it again, I don't think, because I don't think it's in my province anymore. But, like, the context of this is I'm I'm always thirsty for some beverage, and I don't know what it is. Maybe <laughs> I have a disease. Oh, I don't know. Huh. But, like, it's like, I think I drank something as a kid, and I was like, this is the most quenching thing. I love it. It's amazing. And, like, my friends even know this about me. They're like, I'll try a new drink. And they're like, is that close to the drink? And I'm like, no, it's not. Like, it's like a thing I, like, talk about. Because you don't remember so the then, name of it? No, well, I don't even know if it's if it's real. Like I just know that, like if <laughs> oh I drink like there's something I want to drink and I don't know what it tastes like, I don't know what it is, but Whoa. I want it. And I love water. I drink like I drink like four of these a day. Like I love water. It's certainly this, hang on, Haley, is it water? It's not water. Okay, I drink it. Well, it's not it. It's it. very close to water cuz water's the only oh, thing that Haley, I find actually Haley. quenching. Have you tried salt water? No, is that it? It might be the drink that you're always hunting <laughs> but, for. But my grocery store got this kosher lemonade and I was like, that looks yummy. Like I liked the design of the bottle. So I bought it. It was the it was delicious. And I invited my friends over who know about this thing and they drank it with me. They're like, that's really good. I'm like, you understand this is as close as I think I can ever get. <laughs> it's, almost, it's, it's like called- you took them to uh, Coco Curry House in Japan, in Hawaii. <laughs> they, <laughs> for like, me, it was 10 out of 10. And for them, it was 5 out of 10. God. And it was called Turkey Hill Lemonade. <laughs> and it was so good and it literally tastes like lemonade but was quenching like water i don't really know how to describe it better than that and i was amazed by it and my grocery store got rid of it they don't sell it anymore and i asked and they said oh we don't carry that turkey how do you spell it turkey hill like a turkey oh like the animal okay cool yeah (laughs) a quick shout out to (laughs) aha sparkling water 
uh, black cherry and coffee. Mm. I freaking love that flavor, and it disappeared. Oh. And I've been on a social media campaign to try to get it back, much to the chagrin of the social media account manager for Aha. <laughs> leave them alone. The death threats are too much. <laughs> if they man. bring it back. I'll leave them alone. All right, all right. Haley, you're going to make me lose sleep with that idea of you just have an ambiguous thirst for something <laughs> that has satisfied you, and you have never come closer to it again. That's Ooh, like some yeah, Kafka I, I, stuff. Yeah. Is it human blood? <laughs> the vampire, yeah. You oh, caught me. Oh, gotcha. And that's the thing about vampires. If you catch them, they have to say, yeah, I'm a vampire. <laughs> I can't come like in your cop. house unless you invite me in. <laughs> With Sorry. a bottle of turkey aid. Um, Leo's Immersion <laughs> writes in, and they say, Aloha, Minmax. Very appropriate. Um, I'm sure everyone has heard about the recent wildfires in Hawaii. Uh, particularly on Maui. Um, full disclosure, uh, Kyle Bossman sent me an email. He's like, crap, there's a really important Hawaii email or comment that, question that I forgot to do last time. So this is from last week, but still very relevant. Uh, Leo's Immersion says, we on the island are donating clothes, uh, food, water, toiletries, medicine, and other supplies to those who've lost their homes and more on Maui, but the needs are frequently changing. The best resource is one of us, one that a lot of us don't have, which is money. Uh, but if anyone would like to donate, a great source to donate is the Maui Strong Fund. More info can be found at hawaiicommunityfoundation.org. This community is full of heroes, and we need heroes right now on Hawaii. Just wanted to spread the word, and I apologize if this was not the appropriate place to do it. Mahalo. Uh, it's, it's very appropriate. We'll have the link in the description for everybody, but hawaiicommunityfoundation.org if you want to help out. Uh, Jason Wojnar um, asks, hey, what are your earliest online gaming memories? Or when did you first get regularly uh, into online gaming? Uh, Halo 2. Yeah, I was going to say Halo 2. Oh, okay. Yeah. Um, mine is uh, less typical. Um, it was a Flash game that was um, throwing. It was one of those games where you have to pick the angle to throw something and try to hit your opponent. And it was throwing... Um, snowballs over a wall but it was online against opponents and i remember it had bizarrely it had a chat feature uh in addition to throwing snowballs and so the person said what's your name and i was a child and knew i wasn't supposed to tell my name to people on the internet so i said superman and that's all i remember of the conversation (laughs) oh my god i forgot about this game just like the snowball throwing little flash game i used to play that too you know that throwback Love the green it. on team and the red team, right? Is it the same thing you're thinking of, Jacob? I, I don't know, because there are so many games that were similar to this, but most of them didn't have, like, online multiplayer, and it was weird that this one did. Yeah. Maybe this one's a different one, but that's, like, in my brain, too. Like, <laughs> that kind of experience, and I didn't know it was there. <laughs> and you'll never be satisfied unless you have it again. And now I need to drink that's a snowball. <laughs> that's South Park, uh, there's a South Park snowball fighting game snow coming out. day Maybe, what isn't that weird oh, yeah that uh, three it's 3d and they yeah. look really weird, 3d it, yeah and people are really confused about like oh the developer making it why are they developing it but it does have a weird connection where i think jordan thomas who is the lead in bioshock 2 i think he's leading that studio and like they have a weird line with the south park team because like matt and trey funded their last game, Blackout Club. Oh, this looks weird. Yeah, but it's it's a weird-looking South Park. It's like a throwback, it feels like, to the N64-era South Park, and I don't know if it's an intentional throwback or just the graphical quality, but after two really great RPGs, I was uh, stunned by that. Um, oh, for me, uh, earliest uh, online stuff, I think, would be um, Age of Empires 1, and I was digging through trying to find clips of this, but you had to launch it and find like online lobbies and stuff from MSN Gaming Zone, 
Did anyone else use the <laughs> MSN Gaming Zone, like the Microsoft browser game launcher? Or is this like a lot of like solitaire and spades and stuff like that? But then Age of Empires, there was some part of it you had to launch from that. So I just spent so much time on that site and I saw just a screenshot of that site and my heart exploded earlier today. Uh, Drake Heinhorst says, Hey, man, Max, I saw that there's a new regional publisher for studios in the Midwest, aptly named Midwest Games. I think it's great. We might start seeing more talent able to operate out of the part of the country that has been underrepresented in the game industry. Any chance MinMax could get an interview with someone from the publisher, maybe at the upcoming 2D con? Um, I, I completely missed this. So thank you, Drake, for writing in about this. Uh, that is exactly up my alley. Um, I want to learn more about this. And so, uh, yeah, then I looked up. Apparently, they're going to be at 2D Con, which is a gaming convention happening uh, this Saturday, August 26th, if you're in Minneapolis. And they have a panel and so I'm going to go to it and go meet these Midwest Games publisher people. Um, but a uh, reminder for everybody, we mentioned it last week, but we are going to be at 2DCon this Saturday. It's going to be myself and Sarah Pazorski and Leo Vader and a special guest. And we're going to be hosting a panel there. And it's going to be a video game spelling bee. So if you're in Minneapolis, you can go to this gaming convention. There's a lot of other stuff happening there. Meet the voice of Prince Sidon himself from Zelda. A bunch of other uh, people that are going to be there. But uh, swing on by. Our panel's at 2 p.m. Central uh, on Saturday, August 26th in Minneapolis. Uh, come spell the word. We have a bunch of prizes that will be given out. And then we'll have that up in the bonus podcast feed as well um, after the fact. So I hope to see you there. Come say hi to us. Um, Andrew Baker says, hello. Welcome back, Hanson, but I don't care. This question is for Haley. What's in the Immortals uh, of Avium EULA? Am I pronouncing that right? Oh, end user license agreement. <laughs> Thank you. Is there anything interesting in the end user license agreement for the game? I'm weak. I read. I read it. <laughs> Is there anything really? notable? Yeah, I like to read them because I write them, so it's nice to know what they're doing. Um, I thought they did. The governing jurisdiction was interesting because they split up what company represented what people based on your home jurisdiction. So, like U.S., Canada, and Japan, it was um, one company. And then for everything else, it was like a Swedish company. So I'm really curious to why they do that. Like I, because I've only ever seen the jurisdiction be for one. Governing law means essentially if they need, if you need to sue them or whatever, you have to go to a certain like area of the world in order to do that. And most end user license agreements say like you have to come to ours, or a lot of them will also say we'll come to your jurisdiction if they're a big enough company. So like to be nicer to their users, essentially. So I thought that was cool. Was there anything in there about not bashing the CW? No. Okay. Well, you're lucky. Is there anything in there about singing a hymn or something? What was that? Oh, (laughs) that was fun. (laughs) No, no. Everything else was quite standard. Their license was well written. I thought. There you go. Like they had a good uh, license, and you don't get. uh, They didn't kind of carve out like modding or because you know no one's going to want to mod this game. So why would they let you do that? So don't mod this because they didn't let you in the license. I guess. There we go. (laughs) Uh, Sleepy mailman writes in. Haley, do you want to show? Is it a new show plus option where you're just going over and user license agreements, or is that too close to your job? No, I can do that. Be, I, there's actually some really fun ones. Like Persona 5's one is hilariously bad. Uh, <laughs> like I could write a thousand words on how awful theirs is. It's hilarious. So like once you get to chapter three, here are the rules. And it's like they like write it out Whoa. like they're a deranged person. <laughs> I'm like, this should not be your legal like <laughs> streaming like what if thing. You, what, you should rank them. 
right? Mm. Top 10. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <Yep>. <laughs> Love it. Oh, man, I got to go find like, because most of them are so boring, right? Like, it's just like, unless you know what they're most? saying. <laughs> <laughs> I'm a nerd for that, I guess. But. <laughs> uh, Sleepy Mailman writes in and says, hey, man, Max, what's the silliest thing you did as a kid? When I was seven, I stapled a metal slinky to the back of my pants and tried to bounce like Tigger. Oh. <laughs> At least you didn't staple it to your smart. skin or something. Um, did it work, mailman? Right in. Let us know if it worked. Does anybody have memories of being a stupid little kid? I I had I had one I want to share because uh, it's been uh, itching in my brain the way Haley's uh, drink quench has. <laughs> but like I I lost uh, a, a big collection of Ninja Turtle toys as a kid, um, and I've never really truly gotten over it. Um, and uh, because of the new Ninja Turtles movie and stuff like that, I was thinking about this like many years ago. I was like high school. They released this new batch of like Ninja Turtle toys, and I had like way outgrown toys. But I was like, I think I want to buy these just because I'm still bitter about losing these Ninja Turtle toys as a kid. And I yeah. was like a high schooler and I opened them up and I like put them all out and I was like, what if I like played with these? Like what yeah. if I actually tried to play with these? And I spent like, it was like five minutes where I was like trying and I was like, no, I, I, nope, I, it's not going to work anymore. <laughs> just all I can do is look at these now, <laughs> which I got a lot of joy out of that. So it all worked out. Good. Welcome to the world of collecting, dude. Yeah. Um, were you also one of those people outraged about them changing Baxter Stockman's uh, backstory in the new movie? Were you? Uh, no, I love the new movie. Yeah, it's so too. good. It's like blew me away. I went in with high expectations, and they were like, like, and it was still. I love it. Like, yeah, yeah change it up. It awesome. And then they also did the toys that I genuinely lost as a child. They they're, they're like re-releasing some of them alongside the movie. Oh, really? So I did. I was oh. able to buy like a Donatello of the of the toy that I lost as a child. So I was very Freaky. happy about that. Uh, anybody else? Uh, was anybody else a dumb kid? I was. Uh, I, I've recently been getting a lot of uh, boxes because I just moved, and it's like ordering things. And I was reminded of um, when my family bought like a new TV. I think when I think I was like eight, and my sister was four, um, and uh, so it came in this big narrow box, and we just stood in the box standing upright. And then we just fall over. Oh, that sounds like, good. <laughs> like it was just, and it's like that. That was the whole game. And it's like it's not like it's softened by like a cardboard box, but it was just very <laughs> fun to be like, okay, we're standing up, and then we're gonna dip over and hit the ground. Oh. And we just did that many times. That would be so scary. That is the ultimate adrenaline yeah, rush. Yeah, that, that is a thrill. I can't imagine anything in life that would be more of an adrenaline rush than tipping over the cardboard box. Uh, God, I was thinking. Uh, so I grew up in the country and just like a lot of gravel roads where cars were a luxury. It was exciting when a car drove by. And so I go over to my friend Kayla's house, my neighbor, and it was like a gravel road and there are really steep sides on the side of the gravel road, kind of like, you know, a ditch. And Kayla and I would hide in the ditch and wait for cars to come. And they'd be going by like 50 miles an hour on this road. And then the game we would play is we wait for the car to get really close and I go, ah, and like jump out from the ditch. Like not in front of the car, but like jumping up to surprise and scare the driver. It, I cannot imagine anything more horrifying now as an adult than driving down an abandoned gravel road and suddenly you think that kids are just jumping out from the ditch into your car. Like, I am amazed that they didn't just swerve into and the no ditch themselves. And no one ever yelled at you for it or no, anything? absolutely not. Although, (laughs) 
you know, it's a weird thing to bring up because then I think I was in ninth grade and I think I tried to revive this classic ditch car game. And so uh, I was in town and we had and you remastered um, it. Re- yeah, we uh, converted it into a new game where we were hiding out behind a church and we had uh, pool noodles. For some reason, they had pool noodles in a church. And so we're like, okay, we're going to hide in the ditch and wait for cars to go by. And then the car goes by, we're going to jump out and we're going to beat the car with a pool noodle. <laughs> and so we did that. And then the car slammed on its brakes. And then we're like, oh, crap. And we went and tried to hide in the church. And then the old guy ran in there and found us and screamed at us. And then we had to have a big conference with like a pastor and our parents. And it was bad. It was a terrible thing. And like my mom worked at a juvenile detention facility. Um, and so I just remember when my dad heard about it, cause he heard about what happened first and he goes, let's just say you're going to be spending a lot more time with your mom. It's like, Oh crap, I'm going to jail because of this. It was just the worst. <laughs> Anyways, so the, the conversion was not as good as the original. It wasn't as, as good. Yeah. I recommend okay. gravel roads. If you want to be a little kid and to scare people, <laughs> everyone has fun their own way. You know, uh, anybody else? My have- sister and I on, uh, on the Super Bowl would, dress up like little waitresses and like take my dad always had friends over <laughs> on the super bowl and my mom would cook everything because we were children like wings and like nachos or whatever but yeah. we would take the orders even though really we could have just brought it all up and put it on a table but like be like and what would you like dave and dave would be like three <laughs> wings and we would like write down nothing because we couldn't go <laughs> back down and bring it back like very proper and be like your wings and we'd like clear the plates and we'd love it was so fun like we liked the super Super Bowl, so we could wait on my dad's <laughs> That sounds awesome. Yeah. Uh, Jared Pierce says the classic question said, hey everyone, on Party Chat, the bonus podcast, you all were talking about how you find your baby cuter than all others. <laughs> I had the same experience with my son, but now that he's older, I look back at his baby pictures and realize how biased I was. <laughs> Maybe it'll happen to you. Uh, Kyle, is there anything to that? Of you thought that your daughter was the cutest and now you look back at her baby pictures and you're like, well, yuck. Yeah, well, I thought she was the cutest, and then I'll get, like, Facebook alerts. It's like 10 years ago, Yeah, uh, and they confirmed my suspicion. No! She oh. was adorable Good Lord. and continues to be adorable. All right, all right. Yeah, so in 10 years, Ben, you'll recognize that Kyle's child is the cutest. <laughs> <That's right. laughs> I admit defeat. Uh, anyways, have you had the typical dad experience yet of crying at everything remotely related to children? Kyle, this has just been the last 10 years of your life. Yeah, in fact, I think about this a lot where I was talking to you many years ago about how I fell I stopped watching The Walking Dead season 2 because a child gets lost early in the season mm-hmm. and I was like I can't do it. I can't do it anymore. And you were like what? So you're just never going to watch This is something you said to me. You're like what? So you're just never going to watch media where like children are in danger anymore? And I, and at the time I was like, "Well, I guess I'll get over it." But it's like, no, the answer was I I I can't. And I get emotional and it's it's tough and it's hard and I and you won't. So you missed your opportunity to watch Train Spotting, Ben. I told you to watch it yeah. before the kid was born, but I now did. it's too I've late. Seen, I've and, seen Train Spotting, uh, not T2, not a T2, ma'am, but I I'm, I'm hip. <laughs> That's why I wanted to have a kid. And I saw Train Spotting. I was like, "That looks awesome. I got to get me one of those on the ceiling." <laughs> Uh, no, but it, it is. It continues to be to be hard when that yeah. when when that kind of stuff happens in media for sure. Look, I know I get dragged through the coals for <laughs> defending a good movie, but I I am happy to say that after I have my kid, it, like we spent four days in the hospital, and it's a lot of phone time. It's a lot of just hanging out with the kid. Like oh, that's I stay explored him. That's right. Let me look at Midnax's Slack. What's going on here? Uh, let's see how the <laughs> podcast plan is going. 
Um, no, and so I was like, you know what? I want to I wanna rewatch Avatar The Way of Water. And it just <laughs> wrecked me. Like, specifically, that opening where it's the montage and they just repeat a couple times where they just go, happiness is simple. And it's like every time there's a shot of, like, the family together, slayed. Just yep. and, and I know everyone's out there, ooh, Avatar, get a real story, boring. I still... What stories are you watching in movies where Avatar The Way of Water was a bad story? Like, I don't understand. Like, it was, there's enough complexity there. I'm not saying it's a freaking masterpiece, but, like, the people bashing that script and story, what do you want from movies? It's compelling stuff, everybody. Anyways, hey, uh, Avatar, worth defending. I like how that went from, is your kid cute, to Avatar <laughs> 2 is really good. Give James Cameron more money. Yeah. Uh, Everybody to, like, start crying at commercials, too. That was, like, a weird thing that uh, happened. <laughs> well, your your first holiday season, I bet you're going to be just a blathering baby over yeah. every little thing. Yeah. There was Hallmark. a Google, uh, what was the, like, the Google call? Like, it, it's, I don't think they have it anymore, but, like, there was this google thing that was like pre-zoom and it was about a father like like calling their kid in college that just wrecked me right, when she right. was like i don't know one and a half two years old it just destroyed me and it was just about a dad calling their daughter in college i think i remember that that was a good commercial yeah it was a good commercial. Uh, uh, preston Dieterman, great name says hello everyone uh i hope you got to enjoy your time off with your family ben before us greedy min maxers take back all of your time have it you're fine um, I want to talk uh, Starfield, specifically the products around it. I've never played a Bethesda RPG, and truthfully, I'm not very interested in playing Starfield either, but their marketing stuff has me hooked. I bought the super cool special edition Xbox controller, and I had to stop myself from buying the Constellation edition of the game because that watch and its case were super appealing. And now Microsoft has introduced console wraps, of which I ordered the Starfield one. Uh, am I crazy? <laughs> it's it's genuinely like the only game specific branding I've seen that I've thought just looked good outside of the game. Yeah, like that yeah. that controller is so good looking, and so is that watch. It's so clean the controller, especially like that's why I, I like want the controller, even though I barely play my my Xbox, like just to have in my home. And I don't usually care about controllers that much, but I really want that one. I don't know what it is. Weird. Something about it. The, uh, Clean. I get like the watch freaks would be into that the watch for for Starfield. I I wasn't I wasn't following this console wrap thing. Kyle, have you seen this? Is this the thing everybody knows about? You put like a thing over your Xbox. Is it's just a sticker, right? I don't or is think it more than so. That? It seems like it's like a cloth thing that you like slide over the Xbox like if they're clothes. Okay, yeah, and maybe that's on me know. for being like, oh, this is just a sticker. I don't care. But if it's something more than that that actually sounds kind of cool yeah it seems too stressful can you imagine the stress of trying to get a sticker just right on each side of the xbox i, know, I hate so, it yeah. yeah i have a giant crack on my switch light and just because i don't feel like switching out the glass cover because it's such a pain to yeah. put that stuff on it's like i'll just have a crack <laughs> it's, That's fine. Fine. it's just folded around the console it's folded. almost like a, like a box you just fold and can put around the console oh, and done. i would imagine there's oh, notches cool. that allow it to get like kind of inserted in a nice way yeah you're going to get Jacob excited. You can't talk about boxes. He's he's salivating at the idea of playing with I want to tip over it. <laughs> uh, Nick from Atlanta writes and he says, Hey, cohorts, uh, what are the best one-syllable video game names? Not judging the quality of the game, just the quality of the name. Flow. Flow. Oh, that's a good Very one. good. Very good. I purposely didn't Google any because I was like, what comes to mind? And I was like, flow. Just And I don't really can't think of anything else. Uh braid braid is oh, excellent a good one 
Oh, wait, we're talking about names of video games. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. I thought it was characters. So I was like, is uh, Clive a good name? It is one <laughs> syllable. <laughs> you know, I'm more of a uh, Chai man. That's one syllable, right? From High Fever. Yeah. Um, Mist. I mean, mm. it's just, it's tough because oh, it's just like good. iconic, you know? So it's tough to divorce it from that. It's also what's in there? What's in the mist? Yeah. Um, <laughs> East? <laughs> or is it just confusing us for 30 years of its existence? Let's get no, out of here, man. YS. Um, now, Kyle, controversial. Where do we land on MAG? Does that count as one syllable? Acronym one syllable? Uh, no. Well, I would say no. Okay. Okay. Uh, layer? Arms? Res? Res. Arms is Res is excellent. Yeah. Sport? I like arms because that's like what that game's about. <laughs> <laughs> that is true. Well, Rez. Lair, I, I hate because it that's, it's like that betrays what that game's even about. Like, makes, what Lair? What are you talking about? It makes you think of shaking a PS3 controller to screen while a dragon gives you a game over screen. <laughs> makes um, you think of waiting for the patch where they removed motion controls. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Spore. Oh, Fear. Fear is good. Ah. Also, acronym, but yeah. Yeah. yeah that's good. Uh, I like Black at Shooter. Well, it, it's such a like bad name, but also sticks in my head. Yeah, you know, it's like Black nothing name. about that says like tactical military shooter, but right, like right. it's cool. Uh, I mean the the Holy Grail. Nick pointed out. I didn't want to spoil it, but Doom is that just yeah. the obvious? Oh, of course, yeah. yeah. Nick, Nick points out Doom, Prey, and Wet. Wet, wet. is Prey's interesting. Good. I don't think I like Wet. You don't like Wet? Um, no. With your hunt for I'm liquid. Thirsty. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. What am I saying? Sorry. Interesting. Uh, yeah, I, uh, I didn't know, I should know this, uh, but I learned recently from an interview with John Romero that, you know how Doom got its name? Uh, it comes from the Tom Cruise, uh, film Color of Money, where he's a pool hustler, and, uh, there's people playing pool, and they look over at him, and he has, like, a, a case for his cue, and they say, what's in there? And then he cracks it open, and he looks at him, and he goes, Doom. And I guess Id saw that and they're like, that rules. <laughs> That's the name of the game. How Tom Cruise named Doom. Yeah. Also, I learned from that interview too uh, that I had no idea that Id came up with the word engine for game engines. Hmm. It's just like one of those iconic things. Tom Cruise games. also referred to his pool stick as that. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> uh, what do y'all like wait, for... Wait, 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 what about Days of Thunder? He probably referred to an engine, right? He never stops talking about engines. I mean, he's <laughs> in terms of actors obsessed with engines, Tom Cruise has got to be up there. Yeah. He puts an engine in his parachute. Him and Frankie Muniz. He's in engines? Yeah, he's a race car driver. That's his day job now. I thought Jerry was a race car driver. You don't That's... keep up with Frankie Muniz? <laughs> you don't follow Frankie Muniz on TikTok? I'm sorry, I didn't <laughs> what get are you back doing? on it. Uh, it was a paternity leave. I'm sure he's been up to a lot in the last two months. Uh, what do you all like for question of the week? Goofy children. Goofy <laughs> children. Goofy children's good. Um, I like earliest online gaming memories. I like the food that has gone away. Good, good questions this week, everybody. I think I like food Ooh. that's gone away yeah. the most. Yeah. I'm fine with that. Kyle? Food. I like food. Oh. I'm currently hungry. All right. There we go, Jai Bones. Congratulations. I'm 8-Bit is shipping out Bear and Breakfast on Switch. Thank you to I'm 8-Bit. Now it is time for something that, of course, we call... <clears throat> Get a lot of this! Is that you? Are you doing... That was my Bossman reference, because he would get cut out yeah, every right, time that yeah. he did it, but I won't be cut out technically. I thought so. that was your Mario to replace Charles. <laughs> Do I got the job? 
Uh, hey, uh, get a load of this. There's um, a podcast uh, from Neil Brennan, the comedian, called Blocks. Have you listened to it yet, Kyle? No. Mm-mm. Get a load of this. It's a podcast where it's long-form interviews with comedians. Oh, uh, okay. And All they right. talk about their neuroses Unique. and stuff like that. No, but there's uh, an episode recently with Kamel Nanjiani, dear friend of the show. Um, and it was it was the best interview I've heard with him, maybe ever. But it was just, you know, he's blown up in such a big way going from humble comedian who would come by the Game Informer office to play Castlevania on replay, yeah, and then fun. it was in Silicon Valley, and now is in Star Wars and is a Marvel character that may or may not ever come back because he was in the Eternals, but he probably will come back at some point. So he's just, his career has blown up in such a huge way, and it's interesting, it's my favorite thing, is just in this interview he just talked about like how unsatisfying it is to be successful, um, which is a very specific message that I always love, where he talks about like, he is. He feels like more of a failure now than he ever did at any point in his career because he just thinks so much more about his career and he's comparing himself to everybody out there. And he said that like he's like I'm not proud of it, but like it's just gross. Like I was nominated for an Emmy for that Chippendales show he was on, and he's like, and I just multiple times a day will like refresh the Emmy nomination page just to look at it. <laughs> so it's just like it's hearing somebody who's had a real rocket to stardom just kind of unpack it now more than ever is interesting. And also like you know he's gotten wildly in shape and he's like a super good looking buff dude at this point yeah but also he talks about like just he has more body image issues now than before it's just it's it's the classic conundrum about life um but he was actually he was also very recently on the doughboys podcast and touched on similar things oh yeah it's it's a a, guess it's suppressing but it's a nice message to get out there i love when people who are rich just say by the way don't come up here. It sucks. And it'll, you'll probably kill yourself. Uh, hey, Jacob, what do you got? Oh, okay. get up. That was so funny. Sorry, Jacob. I'm sorry. Continue, please. Uh, that is what he was saying. Yeah. Um, get a load of this. Uh, New York's illustrious uh, mayor, Eric Adams, yeah. uh, doing something funny and strange every single day. Uh, recently, he went to the Western Wall in Jerusalem, and there is a picture of him solemnly touching the wall and on the picture visible on his wrist is a a friendship bracelet that says hustle <laughs> like in little <laughs> individual beads spelled out and i just oh it's so funny just just imagine being a grown man wearing a friendship bracelet that says hustle <laughs> probably Ooh. got it at a taylor swift concert and forgot it was on yeah it's yeah. a tough life uh Haley, get a lot of this um Adventure Time is releasing a new show, which I thought was just going to be kind of like a cute spin-off or whatever. So it's called Adventure Time Fiona and Cake. Um, I'm a big Adventure Time kid. I've watched every episode like a million times. Love it. Uh, and I was like, oh, cute. Like, that'll be fun. Like, we haven't had Adventure Time-esque content in a while. Like, I'm sure it'll just be a cute little thing. But it's like, it looks just like more Adventure Time. Like, we're just getting huh. a new season of Adventure Time, and they're just calling it Fiona and Cake. Because, like... Apparently, based on the new trailer they just released this week, they only just really announced this in July 2023 as well. So we're like getting a lot of information really quickly. But this trailer has like Finn and Jake in it and Bimo and like all the characters and stuff. And they're like themselves. And so there's Wait. clearly going to be some crossover and stuff. Yeah, I thought Fiona and Cake was like an alternate 
yeah yeah so like that like in the show it's like a gender bent alternate universe and it's like fiona is finn and cake is jake and like they they just kind of play on that but they like in the past episodes they had like donald glover play marshall lee who's like the opposite of marceline and they got like neil patrick harris to be prince gumball like they got like big people to do voices which i don't think they'll probably get them back for this i maybe donald glover because he's like really cool he might do something cool like that but and but yeah, it's just like low key more Adventure Time, which they wrapped it up in like 2020 with Distant Lands, and it was a really nice finish to the show. And I was like, nice, but like now it's three years later, and I'm like, I want more. So like I'm not even <laughs> upset. Like so that's really exciting. Love it, uh, Kyle. Uh, hey, get a load of this. Uh, Sam Lake shared this in July, late July. It's like an older tweet, but this person, um, Alex Alexi Savan on Twitter modded max Payne three to have sam lake oh uh, excellent like face as excellent. max Payne three in the game which is like and he's and there's a couple of screenshots in the, in the link that'll be in the description and it looks the mod the, like from these screenshots at least the mod looks really well done and sam lake said wow this is impressive and it's it's just a fun idea that like they would have like carried that forward from max Payne one and two i believe right into three is just like maintain the uh yeah. sam lake as the face of max Payne. so i thought that was fun and cool and weird yeah, I always forget that Remedy is remaking those first two games. That's such a weird, yeah, just like a headline that we all I think forgot about. By I mean, Paul we're so excited about Alan Wake too that we forget about like <laughs> the, the yeah. other cool thing that's happening in the background and oh. whatever's going on with Control. You know, yeah, I forgot to mention too that apparently, did you know that uh, Sean Ashmore is his name, the main guy from Quantum Break? I guess he's in Alan Wake too. <laughs> yeah, he's not. He's not playing his Quantum Break character, well, you, of he, course. And we an all actor. know his name was. True, Jack. Ooh, yes. I think you're right. Right? Yeah. yeah something. Joyce? Yeah. No. Wait. Ooh, <laughs> I think you're warm. I think you're you're P right, warm. Look it up? I ha- I literally have a poster of him right there because I have the game informer. <laughs> oh, cover yeah, yeah, yeah. He's he's looking at me like this right now. Yep. Everybody uh, in in the world. And, and nobody look it up. Let's all just collectively agree <laughs> that Jack Joyce feels right. <laughs> it feels correct. Uh, that's good. Uh, by the way. For the community to get a load of this, we have a channel in the Discord where people share interesting stuff all the time. It's the best social media channel happening out there these days, so jump in there. You don't need to be on X, don't need to be on Twitter, don't need to be on Blue Sky. Just go in there, and it's kind of the best of everything. Uh, so jump into that MinMax Discord. So that's where we pull them from. But before we get to that, I just need to call out that Chan, <laughs> 1150, watching us live at the Backstage Past here, they said in the chat when I was talking about Doom being named after <clears throat> that scene from Color of Money, uh, he says, imagine if Tom Cruise just answered him. We'd have to have called the game Pool Stick. <laughs> Great point. <laughs> that would have not been a success to call Doom Pool Stick. Uh, but hey, uh, get a load of this. Marty in the Discord shared a link to an announcement from Epic. Um, the Epic Games first run program. Have you seen this? Have you heard about this? So uh, Epic has a split with developers where developers get 88% of... Um, the money from the storefront and then Epic takes 12%, which is already pretty generous. And if you remember a year ago or two years ago when there was the hullabaloo and debate about this and all that. But now they've, not, they've announced the Epic Games first run program. So if you make your game exclusive to the Epic Games store for six months, Epic will give you 100% of the profits on their store. But you just cool. can't put it on Steam for six months, uh, which is... I, I love that type of wheeling and deal. That's like, hey, you want to gamble? You want to come on the Epic Store? You'll get 100% of the profits, which is pretty wild 
for a digital storefront. Uh, Haley, you don't need to impress us all, but I'm just curious for your legalistic mind if that sparks anything for you. Uh, well, it's with publishing stuff, like the publisher's already taking a percentage too. So like whatever they get from EA then gets divvied up between publisher and developer too, which yeah. could be as, as big a split as 50-50. Um, I've never seen anything where the developer is getting more than 50%. Uh, do never take that deal. Sure. <laughs> developers. Um, but, uh, yeah, it's like, it's like as much as that seems fun, there's always going to be like divisions after that too. You have to think oh, about it. Oh, that's interesting. Sure. Yeah. Um, all right. Hey, am I forgetting anything? I think that's it for the episode of the MinMax show. Thank you so much everybody for having me back. Uh, shout out to everybody for, uh, picking up duties again. Uh, thanks everybody in the community for being so nice to our guests who, who jumped in. Hopefully we'll see more of them in the future. Uh, maybe the near future for one of them in particular, because we got to talk about Starfield next week. It's going to be fun. Um, but yes, thank you for all the kind words and all the welcome backs. It's uh, very sweet to come back to this community. And um, yeah, we talk about it in party chat, but I loved paternity leave. I loved spending time with the kid, but also like I realized I really like doing this stuff like I, I really <laughs> like working and it's the weird thing of it doesn't really feel like work it just feels like a fun project and just like to keep the the plate spinning is is a real thrill so I'm excited to to jump back and do it um but reminder we have the deepest dive on armored core six uh you can jump in on patreon and help support that and unlock the podcast version of it if you unlock the podcast version of the armored core deepest dive you also get party chat our bonus podcast each and every week or unpack more paternity leave stuff tell the harrowing birth story all that fun stuff if you're into that sort of thing uh also heads up um spotify normally wouldn't allow for patreon exclusive podcasts but uh, i believe they now do and i believe i've turned that on so if you're a patreon supporter look through the Spotify details because there's probably some way to unlock the bonus podcast feed on Spotify now. So you can uh, check that out. Um, also, shout out, uh, we have uh, the Game Championship where each and every week we let supporters at the $50 tier on Patreon uh, choose the game that they want to be declared the champion of. And we rounded up the last six months, put in a huge poll on Patreon. Everybody voted. Uh, we had 66 games in the Game Championship. Kyle, did you see what game won? No, I didn't. So the game we're going to be creating bonus content about, out of all these amazing games, people voted for The Simpsons Hit and Run. I should have seen it coming, <laughs> it's, but it's like, yep. Yeah, it's like not, a, not that surprising, honestly. Sweet spot for yeah. nostalgia, but it beat out so much. So top seven, just run down them. Simpsons Hit and Run, then it was Paper Mario came in second, which, oh my God, oh. so close. Uh, Hollow Knight, then Pajama Sam, then Marvel's Midnight Suns, then Tokyo Jungle, then Rockstar's Table Tennis, then Ghost of Tsushima. So, you know we have a good community if those were their top seven or eight choices for games for us to create bonus content about. A good good uh, variety there. Uh, anybody have something they want to plug? I listened to something rotten. Uh, we're doing a season on The Last of Us 2. Yeah. Uh, it, this is uh, Jacob's podcast with Blake Hester from Game Informer. It's basically, right. it's basically like a deepest dive, but... Uh, yeah, finally tackling. Why are you whispering? Why are you holding your hand over your mouth and whispering? Just give him the full, you know, (laughs) the full plus. Something rotten is good. Yeah, I'm very excited. I feel like you all have been teasing for a while over like, oh, we should do Last of Us Part 2, but it's so much to tackle. People keep asking us, like, what is a big AAA modern rotten game? And there's only one answer, and it is The Last of Us Part 2. Like, there aren't any other ones. Uh, So it's good. We've got uh, several very good guests. Uh, I'm excited about it. Sweet. Check it out podcast feed everybody um and thank you to everybody for watching 
and listening. Uh, thank you to everybody at the $50 tier uh, being game champions. Of course, we have uh, the champion of Ghost of Tsushima, Procyon number six, the champion of Dark Cloud, Andre Silva, the champion of Goat of Duty, Rabid Lime, Michael Berry chose Tokyo Jungle, Suikoden 2 was Takashikatano 3, uh, Justice League chose Custom Robo, and Joshua Ayers chose Marvel Ultimate Alliance 3, The Black Order. Cool choice, everybody. Thank you for supporting me next at that tier, and best of luck in the next game championship. All right, any final words from anybody? No? No. All right, everybody's no. content. Uh, nice to be it's back, like you everybody. Never left. That's right. Thanks so much, folks. We'll see you next time. Be good, have fun, let's go! Let's go!